0: Good morning. It is a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. He's Griffin. And we got a guest sitting in today. We met uh, a young man named Danny when we were down at uh, the University of Maryland a couple weeks ago. You can say hi, wave in there. Give it, you give a hello, just a wave. That's fine, Danny. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, uh, we'll let Danny say hello a little bit later on in the program, but uh, he just wanted to come in, sit in, sort of see how we do things, learn a little bit more about it. And so, He'll be kind of over Griffin's shoulder a little bit today. Probably better that Danny was here today and not yesterday.
1: I think he would have had fun yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure everybody
0: would have had fun. I'm just not sure it was the greatest representation of what you're supposed to be learning about in this industry. <laughs> thanks for all the feedback about yesterday's show. Definitely
1: was, uh, a necessary learning
0: It was a little weird. Got a little out of hand yesterday. But we had fun. Uh, thanks to our buddy Andrew Stecka, who was mostly a good sport about all of it I mean however much of a good sport you can be when you don't really do the thing I'm gonna eat a worm burger or like Three one bites. third of a worm burger um but yes he was largely a good sport and we appreciate having him in and uh, I love Andrew it's always good to have him back so I appreciate him doing that and uh, we have paid that off now we will need. Ideas for the next punishment because picks start up again in like three weeks. The first we won't do week zero of college football season. Ah. Although, wait a second, is Navy Notre Dame week zero, or is it week one? It's week. If it's week zero, we'll have to do it. Crap. Is Navy Notre Dame week zero? It might be. Oh man, because it's out in uh, uh, Dublin this year. Of course, I guess it it
1: might be. What What's uh, the What's the date? Week zero schedule
0: here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're on top of this. I actually think it probably is week zero. If Brian Powell's listening, he's screaming right now. August 26th. Yeah, it's week week zero. zero. Okay. Week zero, so we're going to have to do picks. Man, we are going to have to do picks three Mm. weeks from now. Sweet. So we need a punishment. (laughs) I mean, we need a punishment. That's the reality. We need uh, some ideas. We need suggestions. We need it to... The first thing that came up, and I don't know why, was the idea of the loser having to be baby birded. That's right, yeah. by everyone well, who we wasn't were talking about
1: Saturday Night Live yesterday. But yesterday. how did that come up? Um,
0: yeah, there's no real explanation for it. I but guess it...
1: because the because worms are. You oh know, yeah, birds, birds and literally baby
0: bird worms to other birds. Correct. So
1: maybe we should have someone baby bird a worm bird.
0: Yeah, we're not doing that. We've we've decided against that. That's a step too far, is what we decided. That uh, I mean, baby birding was was just a little. <laughs> gri- I don't think Griffin's actually. I think Griffin would do it.
1: Well, yeah, because I'm not going to lose. So yeah. Uh, you,
0: but you understand <laughs> if you did lose, you would have to have.
1: Yeah, I mean that's the yeah that's the, right. that's the
0: risk I am. The know. funny part is I probably would be willing to do it too. But I get it, and we're not going to – like, everybody else seemed a little apprehensive, and we're not going to force those types of things on someone because it is probably a step too far. So we do need ideas. We'd like it to be themed if possible. We did the entire worm theme. We've done Canadian themes. We've done all sorts of themes over the years. If you see something – did you see the guy this week that was paying off his – Fantasy football uh, loss from a year ago. Did you see what this dude had to do? No. What? He had to spend two days just doing nothing but riding planes. Like, taking flights across the country for two oh straight days. Just stuck on an airplane. Did, does he have to pay for it, I guess? Or like, I would assume. I don't think that... Like, there's, it, like, there's, like,
1: there's like a league
0: fund? I don't you know? know. I have no idea. I didn't get into all the details of that. But, like, it's such... It's one of those things that you don't think about. Like, you're thinking about gross things. You're thinking about... But, that that is Hell. That is pure, unadulterated hell, my the proposal, idea of being on airplanes for two days.
1: I was trying to propose to my league that our punishment should be... There's this, like, all-you-can-eat pizza parlor thing okay. in, in Hanover, Pennsylvania, called uh-huh. Infinitos, and I was, my proposal was that you have to spend an entire day there, and you have to eat, like, you know, a hundred slices of pizza. They're, like, because they're really small slices of pizza, but they're all, like, you know, it's not, like, great I, I, quality I don't pizza, think, you know I I, mean? I think I'm
0: going to, at some point, have to be out on the, like, extreme the, amount of eating. 75 slices. I'm telling you, that ch- the cheese really ruined <laughs> me, man. Like, I was the type of guy that could do anything. Like, yeah, I'm in. The cheese has messed with me. <laughs> and even the tiny bite of the worm that I had yesterday, we actually uh, went, uh, the the three of us, uh, Proctor, um, Andrew, and I went over to oh, lunch. A- could you just not eat? I'm telling you, man. Like, there was a part. <laughs> so, um we need ideas for picks this year, as it'll get started in three weeks. We need a penance that the loser will pay in our picks league. So if you have ideas, please message me at Glenn Clark Radio, and uh, we will uh, choose an idea at some point in the coming weeks before the season begins. A uh, lot to get into today. Look, I said it on Twitter. I'll say it this way. I don't feel like I should have to apologize for having a guest on, but I know that a lot of you will not like it when I say Buster only will be joining us on the program today. As I know, because the some of the first two responses that I got when I said that Buster Olney was coming on today were, Ugg, clean up afterwards, and F that guy. So, you know, really 50-50. <laughs> really 50-50. Here's the deal. I understand that Orioles fans have just decided they hate Buster Olney. I get it. We're going to talk about it. We're not going to, like, ignore it and just pretend... We're going to talk about the relationship that Busteroni has. I, If I remember correctly, I think we had him on originally when he had stated that he thought what the Orioles were doing was bad for baseball. And if I remember correctly, I tried to challenge him about that a little bit. Um, we're going to talk about it. He worked an Orioles broadcast last weekend. Like, we're going to talk about it. And I'll talk about, look, you guys won't like this, but to an extent, I agree with Busteroni about the Mike Messina thing. I'm not worked up about the Adley Rutschman side of it. I think that's over the top. Like, if the number's not retired, then you can wear... Like, the number's not retired. There's nothing wrong with Adley Rutschman wearing a number that isn't retired. And maybe one day in the future, similar to the Cubs... Remember the Cubs, when they retired... Whatever... It was a number worn maybe by both Greg Maddox and Ferguson Jenkins? Something like that? They retired one number and said it was for two players... And maybe one day in the future, that will be something that could happen with the Orioles. Bradley Rutschman has the career that we believe he's going to have here, and at some point they're no longer as vindictive about Mike Messina. They could get this thing right, and they could retire the number 35 on behalf of both guys, and that would be awesome. But I have never wavered in how I feel about how petty this has been in relation to Mike Messina. And it's almost more embarrassing when what's shared out is shared out, that it's factually stated. If Mike Messina had put the Orioles hat on the plaque, then he would have a statue, and his number would have been retired. And that's just so small and pathetic. I don't know how else to say that. It is as Napoleonic as it gets. Tell me I'm pretty, or I'm going to get you. It changes nothing about what Mike Messina did in Baltimore. It changes nothing about the career he had here, so it even it, says we don't really care that he left for the Yankees. All we care about is that he didn't tell us we were pretty. If he had just said, "You're pretty. You're the prettier of my ex-girlfriends," then we would we would be cool with you. But because you said both of my ex-girlfriends are equally pretty, so then we hate you. I, it's it's low. I love the Orioles. I appreciate so many things that the Orioles have done in recent years. I think they've done a lot of things differently. I think they've embraced the community in wonderful ways. I think, you know, kids cheer free is amazing. There's plenty of things I like about the Orioles. There's other things that I don't like. The mass Masson app is a nightmare. It's a nightmare. It's got to be fixed. Thankfully, the, you can actually watch the games again this week, unlike on, on Tuesday when you, or Monday, whatever day it was, yeah. where you couldn't even watch the game. Like, there are things that they need to do. Better. They need to spend money on their own players. They need to show investment. They need to get the lease signed. And I'll say those things, but one of them is the way they have treated Mike Messina has been petulant, embarrassing. And anything that I disagree with Buster Olney about in regards to how the Orioles went about handling the rebuild, we're not going to disagree about that. That's not, that's not new. I've told you guys that a million times. The way that the Orioles are treated to Mike Messina is embarrassing. Pathetic. And for some of you, it's equally embarrassing and pathetic. Mike Messina took a hometown discount in order to be able to stay in Baltimore in 1997. Because he loved it here so badly. He was raked over the coals by the Players Union for doing that. But no one ever likes to talk about that part of the story. We're just mad because... The Orioles wouldn't pay him his market value, and he went to the Yankees, and somehow that's Mike Messina's fault. We are messed up, man. It's the same thing that I talked to you guys about with Jeremy Guthrie. You got a problem. Mike Messina has never done anything wrong. I get it. We don't like the Yankees. I know you're going to sound crazy, but if you recognize Mike Messina for the 10-year Hall of Fame caliber career he had in Baltimore. 10 years! You're not recognizing anything he did with the Yankees. I didn't mean to get into this today. I have no interest in it, but it's going to come up when we chat with Buster Olney, so I said what I said. We'll agree to some extent about that, and then we'll disagree with his the things that he has said about how the Orioles' particular rebuild has been bad for baseball. We dis- we're going to disagree with that. And it's weird because I come from a place of agreement, which is in generally, I don't want professional sports teams to tank. I don't want some teams to try and other teams not to. But the system, the way the game, you don't get to change the rules as the game is being played. The Orioles watched what the Astros did and said, huh.
1: That worked out pretty well.
0: That seems like a good way of doing things. Maybe we'll do that. And how's it going for them? Now again, more,
1: more
0: more broadly, if you wanted to say, hey, I don't think teams should be rewarded for trying to lose, I don't disagree with that. But the Orioles sure as hell were not the only team that attempted to do this. Lots of teams did, to varying levels of success. The Orioles at the moment look like they're having a great deal of success. Speaking of which, all right, we've gotten all that disclaimer out. Oh, on top of uh, uh, not only will we chat with Buster Olney today, Bo Smoker will join us, our uh, first I, – I, 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 I don't know if we've talked to him about that yet. Will this become the weekly thing um, with him when I mean, we probably, start doing that? Probably,
1: as we did last year. I'll, I'll
0: Normally, Bo joins them. us on Fridays, um, so we will look for that to be the same again this season. Um, I, As you know, I'm not a training camp guy. It's not my thing, but
1: – I'm a big training camp yasha. guy. I look forward I'll to this look, one. Look, <laughs>
0: look, <laughs> Day, you know, like, day
1: eight of training camp? Oh, man. It's an important day. <laughs> is it?
0: Yeah. What, what is typically day eight known as? Is um, it like well, the, I guess, or was the, yesterday the, day? Eight the copper today, day? Or
1: <laughs> Well, yesterday was a boring one because it was just a walkthrough God,
0: for three hours. God, it's so boring. <laughs> we'll talk to Bo Smoke about everything that's gone on at training camp so far. And uh, also this morning, uh, Paul Rabel, of course, uh, Johns Hopkins lacrosse legend, founder of the PLL, will join us. The PLL is back in town this weekend at Homewood Field tomorrow and Sunday. And we will catch up with Paul Rabel, talk about that, obviously, uh, whether or not uh, Baltimore is going to get a home team and what that might look like moving forward. That's the more important thing for me, because as I've got as I have told you guys, the initial announcement was kind of kind of a bummer when I was like, oh, this is great news. But there's only going to be one home weekend a year. OK, that's not that's nothing. <laughs> that's that. That ain't it. So I got to find out from Paul Rabel if there's maybe more to the story that I'm not getting right there, because that's important to me. All right, so that's all coming up on the program today. Today's show is brought to you by Superbook. We are so proud to be partners officially with Superbook, as I was saying yesterday. Superbook has an official partnership with the Baltimore Orioles, and that's good. But now they've got an official partnership with Glenn Clark Radio, and, like, you know, obviously, come on, man. Like, that's that's here. (laughs) Like, they might be winning the AL East, but we're winning the entire East. So, which one's better exactly? Now, we love Superbook, and that's who I'm going to be betting with. I was actually just taking a look at some football futures bets and may have gone ahead and put a couple down. Uh, uh, I don't want to give them away because I'm going to I'm going to write about them in the next print issue of Pressbox. Uh, there's one particular team that I know that I have mentioned a lot over the last few months that I am bullish about. I, in fact, talked about it the day that we were down at uh, Maryland I, when we were doing our debate segments. I Did an entire segment about one team that I am very bullish about in the NFC. And I may have gone a little crazy because the smart bet was to bet on them to make the playoffs. And I did bet that, but I... I also might have put a few dollars on them to win the division.
1: Okay. Uh, was it the Falcons? <laughs> not the Falcons. I like Ken Zales, talked me into the Falcons last week. I, I'm not
0: sure. I mean, in the world in which. Like, I mean, if
1: there's a division that anyone there's, can win. There's, there's,
0: yes, everybody in that division is garbage. I don't know. In a weird way, I feel like the Panthers could win that division. I like the Panthers too. Like, just because I, I like Bryce Young. Correct. Like, I like <laughs> Bryce Young, and, you know, they've got just. Like, Brian Burns is still there. Mm. Like I, I don't know there's some weird world where I think the Panthers could win the NFC South, but that's more about like I think a team that wins seven games might win the NFC South um, but it's not them It's a different team in the NFC that I went ahead and put a couple of bets on with Superbook Now the good news the for Cardinals me, no nope, definitely <laughs> not the Cardinals. The good news for me was Superbook is that when you use the code Clark e n n c l a r k 23 at superbook.com they're going to offer you up to $250 in a first bet match. So if you lose that first bet up to $250, you're going to get that amount in free bets back. So it's essentially no risk. Like there's risk, you're, you're you're not you're not getting your money back directly. It's that you're getting that money back in free bets. And that's an awesome thing as you figure out what Superbook's all about. You've seen the the Superbook uh, sports bar and restaurant at the ballpark, and maybe you've been like, ah, I don't know what the story is with them. Check it out. Download the app. Go to Superbook.com. And, again, use that code GLENCLARK23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K 23, in order to take advantage of that up to $250 first bet match. Should have been betting on the Orioles yesterday. Um,
1: Pretty much every day.
0: Oh well, yeah, it's a good point. Actually, we should probably look into that. Like how what much the, you would have money you How much money you would have made yeah. if you would just bet the Orioles every day? I remember
1: they were the most profitable team last they year. Sure as hell were. They were just yep. underdogs every game. And
0: um, that was some breathtaking stuff from Jack Flaherty yesterday. And I don't want to get too carried away. Like I don't want to lose my mind about it. Man, you know who we should have we should have tried to track down his mom. That was such a neat mm. thing. I don't know if you guys saw Jack Flaherty's mom posted on. Um, Twitter that like she flew from St. Louis to Los Angeles because she had to get her passport which of course like if you're in St. Louis watching your son you're not thinking in any world like I might need my passport (laughs) because you're in St. Louis (laughs) and to my knowledge you don't need your passport (laughs) to get to St. Louis. Usually not. I don't think so. (laughs) You might need a band aid over you know all alright it's an old Nelly bit but you know um, I don't think you need your passport. So she's got to go from St. Louis back to L.A. to Toronto, in order to be there for Jack Flaherty's first start as an Oriole. Worth it. Yeah, worth it. As uh, Jack Flaherty was spectacular yesterday. Um, as good as the start was on the whole, I the sixth inning was breathtaking. The sixth inning was it. it the thing that we keep talking about about the moment that a game is in peril and what the Orioles don't have and why I so badly wanted them to go get another closer for that situation. The idea that Jack Flaherty said, here, the funny thing about it is you don't need that because I'll just go ahead and be my own guy. I'll clean up my own mess. Is so wildly exciting. Not because, you know, Jack Flaherty gets to do that for everybody's starts because I don't think they're going to put Jack Flaherty in, say, tonight if there's trouble in this. I don't think that'll be the case. But my God, that was big boy stuff in the sixth inning yesterday. And I think we were all convinced they were about to go to the bullpen. They had both Bauman and Coulomb up and Uh, warming in the sixth inning. And it seemed fait accompli especially after the walk that loaded the bases, you were like, "There's just, there's no way, like, there's no way they're gonna leave this dude in in his first start as an Oriole, and end up having this go sideways, and the Orioles split the series, and I, who was the next batter that he struck out? Because uh, he walked, was, he walked George Springer, who's, who He's is who is the terrible. coldest hitter, yes. like in baseball, Jorge baseball. Mateo is scoffing at George Springer <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> Jorge Mateo. He did have an RBI single Wednesday night, I guess. George Springer did. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's his only yes. hit, like in his last, in the last two weeks. I think, I, I think it's fifty plus at bats or something like that. So he walks George Springer. You are like, there is just no way, dude. If you are walking George Springer, forget it. Like you are done.
1: So that loaded the bases.
0: And then who would who was, it was mid- Matt Chapman? Matt Chapman. I don't know if you know Matt Chapman can park a few balls. Matt Chapman can turn on one. And fell behind two one fell. And, we, and was trying to make the slider work, which what was what he was trying to make work was Springer, but it was just dipping mm-hmm. too low. Like, the ball was breaking a bit too low for the strike zone, and it felt like it was happening again. And you were like, oh, God, he's going to walk a runner in. Now you're going to bring a reliever in in a one-run game with the bases loaded and one out. Like, oh, no. Not the case! <laughs> Not the case. Turns around, strikes out Matt Chapman. And then who was up afterwards? Then it
1: was Alejandro Kirk.
0: Now, the ball that Kirk hit, admittedly, off the bat, I was a bit nervous about. (laughs) I was a little bit like, ooh, that's some solid contact right there. But um, no harm, no foul. Caught. Inning over. Jack Flaherty delivers the Orioles himself out of the mess in the sixth inning. That really was big boy stuff. I mean, like, truly big boy stuff in that moment. I don't know that that means that's exactly what they're going to get from Jack Flaherty every time out. I don't I don't want to pretend like this. You know, it, it's fun to say on Twitter, like, the Orioles won the trade deadline.
1: <laughs> well, Scherzer had a great start yesterday. Lorenzen had a great start yeah, yesterday. So, yeah, I
0: did see that tweet. I think, I, I think tweet. all the new guys. Yeah, I did see that tweet floating around yeah. looking at all the acquisitions. But for one day... Felt like we had the guy. <laughs> that, was, that was special. And then... Um, As it turns out, they don't even end up having to use Felix Batista. So as they come back home this weekend, although you'd maybe like to not have to use Felix Batista against the Mets, they kind (laughs) of stink. But it's nice that he's rested, that you won three out of four in Toronto, that you continue to get the job done against AL East opponents. You finally get through the worst or the most difficult part of your schedule. Although in fairness, like most of the second half of the schedule is difficult for the Orioles. Um, but you get the first like break yeah. of the second half. And I you know, I get it. The Mets still have good baseball players, but do they? They do. They just have less. They have less good baseball they still have players. DJ Stewart. They do still have <laughs> DJ Stewart. Um it's remarkable. How do you, how are you not impressed? How are you not just sort of blown away by everything the Orioles have done? And then the other good news obviously is all of a sudden Ryan Mountcastle looks like Ryan Mountcastle again, and I, I we all have to pretend like we didn't say really terrible things about Ryan Mountcastle. I liked. I was. I was always on board with Ryan Mountcastle. I liked Drew's tweet where he said the well, Blue Jays I, have my, to yeah, give. my buddy Sam Angel had said something on Facebook the other day when I made Ryan Mountcastle. He's like, I think when Ryan Mountcastle becomes a free agent, a lot of teams, maybe the Orioles included, will put in very good offers for him, and the Blue Jays will offer him four years and four hundred million dollars. <laughs> I mean, it's insane. But as uh, Nathan Ruiz uh, pointed out yesterday on Twitter of the Baltimore Sun, he said, it's not just Toronto. Ryan Mountcastle is 23 for 50, 460 since coming back from vertigo. The quote from Ryan Mountcastle, it's easier when you're seeing one baseball instead of three. Understandable. And we all kind of thought that this predated the vertigo. Mm But as we said then, if the answer really was the vertigo was the problem, then you pray to God. Not that I think that Ryan Mountcastle is going to continue to bat 460, although I'd be in favor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say it's impossible because I don't want it to be. Um, it's It's been amazing to see. And, yes, this week, of course, and his continued lifelong dominance of the Blue Jays is just one of those baseball things that you don't fully understand. Like, he clearly – maybe it's the sight lines. They have, like, that perfectly parallel stadium yeah. in Toronto because it's still one of the old baseball-football stadiums that exist almost nowhere in baseball any longer. So maybe the sight lines help him there. I, I don't know, man. Yeah. Like,
1: no one else, like – yeah. as, or as much? Not no. not not as
0: much. No, no doubt about it. And then the other big stories yesterday was Austin Hayes is needed that. You hope that that signifies a turnaround for Austin Hayes and that he gets back to being something closer to what he was before July than anything that he was in July. And then even Colton Kouser, um, you know, them finding in a three-run game the faith to say, all right, we're going to let you run out there and get in at bat because we want to see if we can lift your confidence up, and then that leads to a two-run rally that means that you don't mm-hmm. have to put in Felix Batista in the bottom of the ninth inning. A lot of good that came out of yesterday's game beyond just Jack Flaherty. Like, Jack Flaherty, to me, is the headline, but there are a lot of other really important stories that come out of yesterday as well as the Orioles return home and continue to try to do work. So, I mean, there ain't nothing to complain about. I mean, you want to complain about Ryan McKenna starting? As long as he bunts every at-bat, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it did work out, obviously, in the ninth. Of course, when the bases were loaded, that wasn't really an option, and that didn't work out so well. That's the disappointing part. You want to comply? I saw a couple people complaining that Ryan McKenna, I, Colton Cowser had been struggling mightily, and so if you had better options, they'd turn to their better options. They kind of don't have those at the moment. A lot of people on Twitter talking about the weird interaction between Gunnar Henderson and Adam Frazier, when Adam Frazier caught the pop up and Gunnar Henderson like stared him down. I don't. I have no idea. Um, Adley Rutschman smartly like came out and kind of diffused it. it. Was like, yo, what is what is going on here? So I I'd, I'd like to think there's nothing more to that story, and it's just two guys that are competitors that are, you know, that both want to record an out. I don't know. It was a it was a weird moment. It was a very weird moment. I have no idea what to make of it. Uh, but until there's any reason to think there's something more there, I'm going to choose to believe that there is nothing more. You just watch yeah, it. Yeah, just watch it. So it? it. It's so weird, isn't it? It's so well, I didn't see it when it happened. It was just everybody on Twitter sharing it. I'm like, what the hell is that? <laughs> I have no clue. No clue. Yeah, Frazier didn't look back. Look at him. Like, it looks uh, like a. Uh, did you ever watch Major League? Are you familiar mm, with Major no, League? No, I haven't watched Major League. All right, put it I on know. the list. Okay. Put it on the list. It looks like the uh, the Rick Vaughn slept with um you know Roger Dorn's uh, okay. wife kind of moment where it just was weird, <laughs> really weird, bro. Um, but uh, you know, all all good, I guess. <laughs> Nothing to worry about there. Orioles do indeed return home to open up a series with the Mets tonight, and it's a special weekend, obviously, at Camden Yards with not only the uh, 83 World Series 40th anniversary celebration, but also, of course, the return of Buck Showalter, who talked to both The Athletic and MLB.com this week. And, I, look, I, I, I know it's just miserable right now for Buck Showalter, and I don't think it's his fault, but I, I, I look forward to Orioles fans being able to give him the love that we've all wanted to share with buck showalter for some time and he's buck showalter is a perplexing part of baseball history there's kind of no way around it like we'll be one of the all-time winningest managers to have never won a world series and it's 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 a bummer and it's yes weird that as soon as he left a couple of places they did win world series and you know imagine if the orioles end up getting out of that list the next manager won a world series but Buck Walter is an extraordinarily important figure in the modern history of Orioles baseball, and we look forward to celebrating him this weekend. We look forward, when we come back in, to uh, chatting with Bo Smolka as we will go out, find out what I should be interested in from the first couple of weeks of Ravens training camp. This is all of it. Not I. We'll talk about that next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Hey,
2: Birdland. Earn points all year long with the Orioles Clubhouse Rewards MasterCard, where your love of the game meets great rewards. Built for Orioles fans, you can earn once-in-a-lifetime experiences exclusively curated for card members. Plus, earn four times at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, three times on gas and travel, and receive 5,000 rewards points when you spend $250 in the first 90 days. Get yours now at Orioles.com Clubhouse Rewards. Terms apply. Use everywhere MasterCard is accepted.
3: Catch that festival feeling in Charm City. Everywhere you go, you'll find exciting entertainment, delicious eats, and endless summertime fun. Cheer on the O's at Camden Yards, pick crabs by the waterfront, beat the heat inside a world-class museum, and make memories that will last a lifetime. Go to baltimore.org for more information and to plan your visit.
1: It's game on every day at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Here, you're in on every play with 100-foot screens at Sports & Social, the best table games action, and FanDuel sports Sportsbook all just steps away. The best bar bites and drinks to indulgent steaks and curated cocktails. Your game day only gets better when matched up with Live's distinguished dining options. Late game? No problem. Our luxury hotel awaits. Live Casino and Hotel Maryland is the place to be on game day and every day. For more information, visit www.maryland.livecasinohotel.com at Arundel Mills. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER.
2: all electronic tolling is here to stay in Maryland. And DriveEasyMD.com helps you cruise a little easier. We're Maryland's tolling resource. Home to EasyPass, pay by plate, and video tolling. It's never been easier to pay your way. DriveEasyMD.com will keep you moving.
4: Another exciting weekend of affordable
5: family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. One of the most special nights of the season on Friday the 4th, Navy Night. Come celebrate the newest Plead class. Back-to-back fireworks carry on to Saturday with our pregame Touch-A-Truck event. And it's the last of our big hitter bobbleheads, Colton Cowser, on Sunday for the first 750 fans. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at baysox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox. Let us be your nine-inning vacation.
2: That first sip.
1: The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Dave Ginsberg remembers Goose as he looks back on the impact that late Tony Saragusa had both on and off the field here in Baltimore. Plus he explains how Goose's kids are working to continue that legacy with the Goose Flights program. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles the path Tyler Wells has taken to becoming a star in the Orioles rotation. And you'll find a special summer travel guide with information about events and activities throughout the state. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Terps at
4: PressBoxOnline.com. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um... What's wrong with you? All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along
0: here on a Friday edition of the program. If you missed it last night, Stan the Fan Charles and Gary Stein caught up with Ahmed Gafir from inside the blackandgold.net. Talk some terps, some recruiting, getting ready for the start of football season. You can find that show right now. Facebook.com slash pressbox sports. Click on the videos tab. Go to YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline or PressBoxOnline.com slash video. Stand the Fan, Charles, ross not Ross Grimsley, Gary Stein, of course, and Ahmed Gafir. Joining us now, PressBox Ravens beat writer, our friend, Mr. Bo Smolka, is back with us here on GCR. Bo, it's good to talk to you. I assume we're going to be doing these pretty regularly now as we get into the swing of things. Looking forward to it as always, my friends. All right, let's do it. Um, tell me something. Biggest thing for you, since you've been out there and of training camp, your number one takeaway so far is what?
6: My my number one takeaway, and I wrote about this yesterday, is I just think Zay Flowers is everything the Ravens hoped he would be wow. at this point. And I know it's early, it and the guy hasn't played an NFL game yet, and I get all that. And so I'm not trying to overhype the guy, but – He's an impressive person to watch. And the last two days, I wasn't out there yesterday, but the previous two days, they ran one-on-one drills. And he's just a hard guy to defend. He moves well. He cuts well. He catches the ball. He always looks like he's having fun out there. And I think back to the past 10 years or so when a lot of buzz about Rashad Perriman and he gets hurt and a lot of buzz about uh, Rashad Bateman and he gets hurt, a lot of buzz about Marquise Brown, he got hurt. Um, and I, and the tortured history at this position is something where you don't need to rehash, hmm. but I watch Zay Flowers and he stands out. He's absolutely stands out so far.
0: I guess the question for me, I, 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 did a hit while I was away last week with my friends at the VEASAN, the betting network out in Vegas, and they were asking me about it. And like, my question was, uh, I, are they going to be willing to specifically design plays for... Zay Flowers and you know Bo that it was a complaint that we heard all the time about the Greg Roman offense right that you you, whatever we thought of Devin Duvernay he had a skill set it would be nice to design plays particularly just to try to get the ball to him and it just didn't seem to be something that the Ravens were inclined to do at that point as you bring up Zay Flowers while I think he's a more far more complete version of Devin Duvernay has some of that same slipperiness undersized and you would like to think that they would just look for ways. Do you get the sense that they are going to be willing to just run plays where the concept is nothing other than we want to try to find a way to have the ball in Zay Flowers' hands in space?
6: I think they will. I think that's the kind of thing Todd Munkin talks about a lot. And I was struck when Todd Munkin talked at his very first news conference. He specifically talked about stretching the field both horizontally and vertically and using all that space. And so I think he wants to find ways to get these guys in space. I think he will spread people out. And when you have the receiver group they have now, it's much easier to do that because they're not going, they have to respect Beckham. If he goes out wide and Bateman, if he goes out wide and flowers, if he's in the slot and Andrews, if he's in on the other side, and you just have to, they're going to be able to spread the field. and, And I think they're going to do a better job of using space this year. And so I do think they will create plays like that. I'll also say though, the other thing that I was struck by and, and I've, I've been asked by many people about, you know, is Beckham going to lead the team in targets? Is flowers is, but what's going to happen here in the end? I still think Mark Andrews will lead this team in targets sure. because J- Lamar Jackson always finds him. Yep. And when you watch practice, you know, when, when they run the 11 on 11 drills, it always seems if anything breaks down, it's always Andrews that he finds. So Mark Andrews isn't going anywhere, but I think they will design things for Flowers.
0: All right, Bo. Um, the, of course, bigger storylines that exist as camp has gotten underway. One is the guy who's not there. But as I say bigger, it seems weird to me. It almost seems like it's not that big of a storyline in Baltimore that J.K. Dobbins isn't practicing. Um, I, I, The sense that I've got, and I know that what John Harbaugh said the other day didn't back this up. Because he said, well, you know, J.K. needs to be out there. Like, everybody needs to be out there. But it almost comes off as dismissive. And I wonder if that's kind of the dirty little secret, which is, yeah, the the Ravens would like to have J.K. Dobbins practicing. But in the world in which J.K. Dobbins has been hurt a couple of times, as long as they know that he's ultimately going to play and he's going to get out there, I, I have sort of started to feel like there's a, yeah, we're not really all that concerned about the fact that he's not practicing right now. It's not that big of a deal to us that he's not on the practice field. We just want to know that J.K. Dobbins is going to be there when the season begins.
6: I think there's probably a little bit of both there. I mean, I think they want to have him get some legs under him before they get to week one. I mean, the worst thing they would want to have is come out there and, you know, get hurt right away because he hasn't put in the work or he hasn't gotten up to game shape like they like to call it. So I think there's some of that. Yeah, I I absolutely think they don't want to run the guy into another injury in training camp. That's the last thing they want to do. But uh, you know, John Harbaugh is an old school coach who wants his guys on the field, so I think to some extent he does want him out there. Um, And you know, Harbaugh and Dobbins are, are, or we haven't spoken to Dobbins, but Harbaugh keeps saying the same thing. It's pretty clear what's going on, Dobbins. You know, Dobbins. I mean, Dobbins is in a tough spot, and we know what the running back situation is this summer. But I, you know, after John had said, John Harbaugh had said, well. Yeah, there comes a time where it does become a concern. I mean, I'd be curious to see if he's still not back there by the time they do the joint practices with Washington. Um, I think that's a that's a time that you, you'd like to see. A, because a lot of these guys aren't going to play in the preseason at all, I don't think. So I think those joint practices with Washington will turn out to be some of the best reps they get all summer Sure, uh, against another team. So it would be nice to see if Dobbins were out there by then. If he's not then I think it starts to become a question. And quite frankly, I think they'd like to see maybe Bateman out there by about then. But I'm kind of pointing to those Washington practices as fairly Mm -hmm. significant.
0: Bo Smolka, Pressbox Ravens beat writer with us here on GCR. Uh, Bo, moving on to left guard, it feels like the answer so far has been we still don't know, and they're still trying some things to figure out who the left guard might be. Well,
6: I think they are, but I'll tell you what, they've given the rookie Sala all the all more of an extended look than I expected because, first of all, John Harbaugh is not one to really throw rookies into the starting lineup very often. And Sala was a sixth round draft pick. And for much of the spring and into the early summer, they've given him every chance as the, as the starting left guard. And he's done it. And, and then John Harbaugh said, well, during OTAs, we really need to see what he looks like when the pads come on. Mm-hmm. Well, the pads came on this week, and he said, you know what? He looked pretty good. Now, I will say, he, John Harbaugh specifically said next week they're going to flip them around. And John Simpson, who's a veteran who started at left guard, is likely to end up working with the starting unit, and Sala will work with the second unit. What's interesting to me in all that as well is not once did he mention Ben Cleveland. When he talked about the starting candidate the candidates at left guard now maybe Cleveland is potentially a candidate but he does seem to be well behind those two and it's still possible that John Simpson who is the more experienced player will end up winning it but if Sala a sixth round rookie ends up as the starting left guard that would be a that would be notable. Uh,
0: I I I I think it would be kind of remarkable honestly but. Um, you know, if he's if he's the best guy, he's the best guy, and I I, I think he's as you to you pointed out, he's looked the part, and that's the good news for the Ravens. Um, and before I move over to the defense side of the ball, is there anything else offensively that that's jumped out at you? I feel like you know a lot of play was given to Todd Munkin's you know quotes about you know them not really being very good yet, but I I don't know I I don't read too much into that. I think it's kind of a refreshingly honest thing to say, and I think a lot of times. Um, we say that hey, early on, it, it takes a little while for an offense to get going. But anything else offensively that has stood out to you, Bo?
6: I mean, I, I wasn't here the first few days, and I did hear it sounded as if the offense was a little ragged. They looked fairly, they looked more crisp the last couple of days. Jackson looked like he was throwing the ball well, um, so that's good, you know. But it's hard too because they still don't have Bateman out there. They still don't have Dobbins out there. and They still haven't had Patrick Ricard out there. So those are three guys that they think will be involved. I think we don't know really what Patrick Picard's role will be on all of this. Um, but like I said, I've been struck most by by um, by what Zay Flowers has looked like so far. And, and Gus Edwards being back on the field is good to see because he's starting to run some full team reps, and he looks pretty good. He didn't do much at all during OTAs while he ramped up and got healthy again. But he's out there. And then Justice Hill has been doing a whole lot of work as the starting running back all spring, Mm -hmm. with Dobbins not around. So those are things that I've been struck by as well.
0: Let's go over to the defensive side of the ball. The guy who I think had the biggest spotlight on him going into training camp was, of course, David Ajabo, who, uh, for those that didn't get it, uh, Bo wrote about him and Adafi Owe in the last print issue of PressBox which is still available for like another week and a half or so at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox and PressBoxOnline.com. Um, that spotlight on him, what have you seen from David Jabo so far?
6: Well, he was, to me, in the time I saw him at OTAs, one of the, one of the standouts on the field, he just moved well. He looked, he looked explosive. I, I loved what I saw from him in OTAs. Now, he left practice the other day. Uh, walked off early, tweaked something, and then missed a practice, and then came back. But he's he's looked good. He has looked the part. Um, I think he's got the potential to be a real force on the edge. Um, I know there's still some they're they're trying to really stress his ability to set the edge against the run and things like that. But um, you know this was again this was a guy who was expected to be a maybe top ten, top fifteen pick before he got hurt, and the Ravens got him in the middle of the second round. So because of the injury. Uh, but he's, he thrived under Mike McDonald in Michigan. And I think right now, physically, other than the tweaking the thing and missing the practice, I think this spring he's looked very good.
0: Uh, we would like the sounds of that, obviously. The concern as well would be in the secondary, where we know the Ravens are very thin at the cornerback position. And then Rocky Sin goes down the other day. And I know they're they're kind of saying it's not all that significant. They're not making a big deal about it, but boy, it, it sort of reminds you, it's, it kind of throws it right back in your face just how thin they are at cornerback. It's it's almost really wild to me, Bo, that they've gotten this far along in the process and they still haven't addressed another veteran cornerback, something to fortify their depth there.
6: Uh, yeah, so, I mean, they were saying all the right things, about Rocky had and, and and he had gotten beat a couple times in some of these drills, and of course he was the secondary coach had said, look. He's, he's, he's getting into a new system here. He hasn't played a lot of the way, the way we play. That's going to be some adjusting. They love his physicality, um, and they think he's going to be good, but he's not going to be good if he's hurt. And so we don't know yet what the situation with his injury. He was in a one-on-one drill with, with Shamar Bridges, and he went down at the end of the drill. He was on, on the sideline, and then he went inside. And at the time, John Harbaugh said it didn't look serious. They were going to wait for uh, you know to have it looked at. Uh, John Harbaugh did not speak yesterday. He will today, so he may have an update on him today. But to your point, then then, then it, it is fairly thin. Kalen Armour Davis, who missed most of last year, and people remember he kind of struggled in his very first reps there early in the year. Um, he's a the guy they're pretty high on, and they said he has been competing with Rocky Hudson for a starting spot. But then you've got people like Kevon Seymour and Ardarius Washington and. Um, well, Trayvon Mullen is hurt right now. Mm-hmm. Brandon Stevens has played some corner, but he went back and is basically playing more of a safety where they thought he'd be slotted in at. Um, so there's other cornerbacks, but they aren't very deep. Pepe Williams just came back from an injury, and he's he's back in the mix now. But I, I agree with you. I think it's been a situation since April where we've talked about cornerback is a, a questionable in terms of depth. And I remember Eric DaCosta saying earlier this year, lack of corner or corner lack of cornerback depth is a good way to get you beat. Yeah, and so I absolutely think they will continue to address it. They did sign Arthur Mollett from you know who had right. played for Pittsburgh, more of a slot corner, and he's in the mix now. And he looks pretty good so far for having been here just a little bit. Okay, had an interception in the one-on-one drills the other day when he stepped in front of a ball for Tylen Wallace. So they did add him as well. Uh, I did notice Anthony Avert, I believe, got signed by someone because a lot of people have been saying maybe they bring him back, but he was signed yesterday. I forget by whom, but I do think they. it's a situation where they will have to continue to look, and especially if the injury to Yassine is significant. But, uh, look, this team, I think I'd go back. I'd have to go back, but it seems every single year they end up signing at least one cornerback during the season. So the cornerback depth is never really what you want it to be, and if Yassine is hurt, then that would be a problem.
0: Yeah, uh, no doubt about it. No, it it's a, you know, to the point, it might be a problem even if you've seen his not hurt, <laughs> but particularly if he's hurt, it's a real problem. Um, anyone that has stood out a little bit, I'm not trying to put anybody on the roster just yet. We've got a long way to go. But anyone off the radar, you know, undrafted guys, anybody that has caught your eye and said, I'm going to keep watching this guy, I think this person might end up being a story.
6: Well, I mean say, I think a fun story honestly is Malik Ham, who's an outside linebacker who played at City College here in Baltimore, mm-hmm. then went to Lafayette. Um and again with a Jabo out, he's getting a lot of chances here. They're not real deep at outside linebacker either. I don't think he's going to make the fifty three man roster, but he's made, he made a move the other day against backup tackle uh Taquin Doss that just was I mean, he left Doss tumbling to the to the ground and Marlon Humphrey and Afaio came storming onto the field to celebrate with um. That's cool. With Ham, so he's you know he's had a good stretch and he's going to get time to play. Um, I, the defensive line over—they're not bubble guys necessarily, but they have just looked terrific. And John Harbaugh is high on that group to begin with. Justin Madabike is in the backfield all the time, and I know I will say a couple of years ago I talked up Madabike big time. I he had a great training camp. And then he kind of vanished at times during the season. But Justin Matabike looks like a handful. And I just think he's primed for a big year. It's a contract year for him. I think the entire front has looked really good. Um, so they've been impressive. It, look, the, the way this roster is built right now, it's not that easy. It's not going to be very easy for an undrafted guy to make this team. Um, I think, there might, as we just said, I think there might be a chance for a defensive back to squeak yeah. in there. Yeah. Um, Malik Ham, I think, has looked good for an undrafted guy, and the fact that he's from Baltimore is kind of fun. But to me, when you look at that defense so far, the defensive line is the group that has stood out.
0: At B. Smolka, of course, on Twitter, is how you follow him. All of his stuff can always be found at PressBoxOnline.com, and I'm not going to tell you yet what it is, but I will tease that Bo is working on our next cover story uh, for PressBox, the next print issue that will be available in mid-August and. I am looking forward to reading Bo's cover story. I think that will be a very good one to set the tone for the Ravens season. Bo, always appreciate you, man. Uh, we will look forward to chatting. I think uh, Fridays moving forward. Thank you so much for doing this today. Oh, okay, uh, there's Bo. <laughs> I don't know what happened there, but I appreciate it. I want to make sure that we, uh, we do recognize that. I do appreciate Bo taking the time for us uh, this morning here on GCR. Um. Do you want to squeeze in fighting words now? Do you want to try to, to go yeah, ahead? Yeah,
1: I, so. I guess now's the best time. Yeah, we can do that. We got a
0: little bit. of We got like uh, 10 minutes or so right uh, here. I usually need
1: 11, but yeah.
0: Uh, We actually have 11 for the okay, record. Yeah, we actually right, have right. 11 minutes. So <laughs> <laughs> how about that? You want to go ahead and? Uh, yeah. Yeah, normally you hit a button. and yeah. You know, Danny's trying to learn, so we kind of need you to be on your game. All right. It's
7: fighting words with Riven bats.
0: Fighting words brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and a trim lines so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. So it was Yeah, it was a huge weekend huge last, weekend, weekend, and last and weekend and then nothing me. this weekend.
1: Yeah, there's I mean there is there's UFC Nashville so there's it's a fight card there's and, and then there's obviously the Don't don't even the, the, the don't even, don't Nate, Nate it. Diaz is boxing that one guy.
0: Don't say it. Just don't. The is there anything on that card of relevance?
1: Not really. It felt like uh, uh, Amanda which, Serrano is, is boxing before them. Okay. So.
0: It felt like for years, was it Travis Hawkins, like one of the, the Baltimore fighters always ended up on these effing celebrity boxing cards. Good for them. Yeah, it was good at, like it was good for them to get the exposure, but it infuriated me <laughs> to no end. Um, um yeah, that's well, a thing that occurs. If you want coverage of that, go somewhere. You're in the else. right place. Oh. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Refuse. You know what is funny is that I think Logan Paul is on SummerSlam on Saturday night. Ah, good for him. And like he was petitioning oh, he was- to be to start the show so he could get on a plane and fly down to be at the other thing. It's you know, know. That, where are where they is for Summer Slam. They they're Detroit. So you know, these things are nowhere close to yeah, each Dallas other. Dallas and Detroit. Yes, nowhere close.
1: Uh last weekend though Terence Crawford uh he put on a clinic against Spectacular. Spence. Spectacular. Um Spence wants a rematch, but it, Well, the talk is that they
0: would right maybe do it at a different weight class right. too. And right. And that maybe makes it I oh. I understand what your response is what a lot of people are feeling is like, dude, did you watch the fight? Yeah. <laughs> like There's no need. Now, it's such a big fight, and these people are so relevant that there's a business reason that it would probably be worth doing it again, even if you were going to get the same result, which is, monetarily, it worked. Mm -hmm. And while you would lose some, because there would be some people that would say, dude, there's no reason to think it's different, the idea of moving weight classes maybe makes it a bit more intriguing to say, let's see if that benefit spends a little bit more... And see what he could do. But my God. I mean, it was... I I saw (laughs) boxing analysts really go in their bag on this one. Like, get emotional about Terrence Crawford's performance. It was spectacular.
1: Yeah. uh, I mean, it seems like he should be, or or a lot of people are... Arguing he's pound for pound number yeah. one right now. Uh, the other guy that some people are arguing, he also got a win last week. Japanese boxer uh, Naoye yeah. Inou- Inoue. Yeah, right. Yes.
0: I don't uh, know enough about him to be able to speak about mm-hmm. that. He's um, a he's
1: a 122-er, um, and so some people are saying that he's a potential fight for Tank, which would be interesting. I mean, they would be a massive jump for him. Like, he could, and I think it'd be it'd definitely be a pretty good payday for both of them. Um, but, you know, for him to jump... 13 pounds, you know, for in one fight. A lot of people are saying it makes it, it makes more sense for a no way to kind of slowly go up, you know, a couple of pounds each fight. Okay, but there's but that's something that tank could do. Um, they're gonna I, they're setting up a uh, Lushanko. I don't
0: know still that they're willing to give yeah. tank a fight that he might lose. <laughs> like, I just don't know that they're willing to do that.
1: Well, if he's fighting, I mean, this guy's he's not very big, obviously. Yeah, I like I can no understand yeah.
0: why you would say, like, maybe what I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. want to talk about it. Okay. And if they keep like the 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 hydration clause in place, like they feel like they're benefiting Tank and setting it up for, but I I don't know, I'd still um, bet against yes. it happening.
1: Uh, last weekend was also UFC 291. Uh, Justin Gaethje won the BMF belts. Yeah, that, that's that's not a thing. Justin Poirier. Mm-hmm. Um, UFC kind of shot themselves in the foot, I think. By they announced Islam Makhachev's next fight for the lightweight for the for the real belts, the mm-hmm. lightweight belt mm-hmm. against uh, a rematch with Charles Oliveira or okay. a rematch for Charles Oliveira um and that's like that's gonna be an exciting fight uh but like you know islam beat he choked out charles Oliveira a year less than a year ago right and uh, if they had waited like justin justin gagey islam would have been a really really good fight for for you know that would be in abu dhabi coming up in october because gagey lost to habib and now he gets he maybe he can try to get his revenge against islam and you know they've never fought each other so that's a little bit more exciting there um, also on the card, Alex Pehera beat Jan Blachowicz. Uh, so that sets up him for to get probably the next light heavyweight uh, okay. a shot. Because light heavyweight is kind of a mess right now since Yuri Prohaska yeah, was injured. About, right, yes, yeah. and, now, and now Jamal Hill, who was the champion after beating Glover Teixeira in January, he uh, he's also injured now. So it would probably be Magomed Ankolaev will get another shot at an interim belt against pahara. Seems like the fight to make, uh, assuming Yuri Prohaska can't come back. Uh, Derek Lewis, of course. You yeah, 30 yeah you were very knockouts. excited
0: about Derek Lewis, yes. and that set what record?
1: Uh, I, or he now has the most knockouts there in UFC go. history. Look, I
0: love Derek Lewis. Yes. Derek Lewis was always something that made me want. Like whenever I was looking at a card and I saw Derek Lewis was on it, I was like, I'm going to have fun. This is going to be a fun night because Derek Lewis is going to be involved. So I'm, I'm, I'm good with Derek Lewis at this point in his career. Obviously, he kind of is. What he is, though. Yes.
1: Um, Oh, before I I shouldn't have jumped off boxing so quick. But Lomachenko and Shocker Stevenson—they're trying to set that up because Devin Haney was kind of stripped. I don't
0: believe it's Shocker Stevenson. I do believe it's Shocker Stevenson. But I kind of love the idea of him being Shocker Stevenson. Stevenson. I think I might be on board with it.
1: (laughs) Um, So they're trying to set that up that fight for the WBC 135 belt as uh, Devin Haney wants to fight uh, Regis Progre. So. That fight, all those I guess should probably happen before the end of the year. I think. Okay. Um, I mean,
0: yeah. There, it sets up. There should be some big fall fights. Yes. And
1: yes. So. Next week, Anthony Joshua's fighting against Dylan White. Um, so he plans to win that one, and then wants to fight Deontay Wilder in December.
0: That's Anthony Joshua's yeah, and that uh, a, master that would be a that would yeah. that would be a big that would be I mean it'd be a big heavyweight fight. I I don't I don't know how I'd feel about it. Like, th- I hate saying the blooms off the road for Rose for um. Deontay Wilder, just because of the, can't be sure. the Tyson Fury thing, yeah. but in a way, it feels like it kind of is. Mm-hmm. Like if you're,
1: <sighs> it's kind of like uh, I,
0: I hate that because Deontay Wilder is a hell of a fighter, man. Mm-hmm. Like he's a damn good fighter, and I hate the idea that like if you can't beat the guy, it means you don't matter. But I feel like that's kind of how it's always been in boxing. Mm-hmm. Like if there's a guy and you can't beat that guy, then you're. Irrelevant is the wrong way of saying it, but you, you can't. It's, it, it's, while it's he's a, around. You're not gonna. It's a can't. tough sell, right? Mm-hmm. It's a tough sell that this person also significantly matters because you're like, right? But he
1: just he was not. He's not gonna beat that guy, right? It is, it's, uh, so it's so like then
0: the guys that the guys that beat you. It's like, does that matter? Because
1: mm-hmm. yeah, just the whole thing. It's like 145 at, uh for, at the UFC right now with Alex Volkanovsky. Max right. Holloway is a great, great yeah, yeah, fighter, sure, and but he just can't beat Volkanovsky. Um, and uh, so this weekend is Nate Diaz, Jake Paul. That's going to be on uh, DAZN, Stop and ESPN it. Plus is offering Stop a pay-per-view for it now. $60, it. if anyone's interested. 11 p.m. ring walk uh, for Jake Paul and Nate Diaz. Also UFC Nashville. It's a little underwhelming of a card because a lot of the Dagestani fighters uh, kind of pulled out over the last, like, month. Or so there was Said Nurmag- Nurmagomedov. Umar Nurmag- Nurmagomedov was going to be the headliner with Corey Sanhagen, and he was scratched because of an injury. The other Dagestani, Tagirulon Bekov, is another one, and these guys pulled out kind of just mysteriously. We're not really sure why. Yeah, that's weird. It is weird because well, the one knock against Habib is that early in his career he would kind of pull out of fights just you know because he had trouble making weights. Oh that right, thing. yeah. And since they're all, you know, they all train together, you know, is with Islam. and This Habib. is just a thing.
0: This yes. is just their their yes. MO.
1: Yes. And they like fighting in Abu Dhabi, and there's an Abu Dhabi card coming up in October. Ah, so, that's so they want to they
0: purposely make they sure they can home. Okay, yeah, Got it. Got
1: it. Um, It should still, the main event should still be really good. Corey Sanhagen is going to play or play, fight against uh, Rob Fonts, who is stepping up. Uh, and uh, we'll give you a bet for this one. Okay. I like Corey Sanhagen. Corey Sanhagen is, I think, around minus 300, 350 or something okay. straight up. Um, And I think he should win. Rob Font is a really good fighter. He's a a really tough guy. He's never been finished, or at least he's never been knocked out. Um, And that's why I'm going to go to my wheelhouse. Sanhagen can – I mean, Sanhagen's fought five-round fights. in his last four fights now. And, uh, so I'm gonna so go to you're going own. to points? I'm going to four round four, oh. five, or decision, just because I feel like yeah, there's a possibility. Yeah, he buys you a little. Okay. Like Sanhagen, you know, just beating, beating him up so bad. The doctor or the okay. referee right. has to step in somewhere in round and four. And what is five. that? That is plus one. T- At least yesterday it was when I was checking. It was plus one ten for Sanhagen by, to win in round four, five, or by right. decision.
0: Very good. Yes. Very yes. good. That is fighting. Oh, PFL,
1: PFL playoffs tonight. Yeah, okay. They start tonight. Okay. Yeah. Bubba Jenkins headlines.
0: Sure. That's Penn State, f-
1: Penn, for Penn State wrestler.
0: Very good. <laughs> Tell me. No. That's fighting words. Thank you, Griffin. Appreciate it. We normally do it on a Thursday, uh, but we had a, a bit of a day yesterday, so we weren't able to squeeze it in. All right, when we come back in, uh, we are going to catch up with Paul Rabel, of course, uh, Hopkins lacrosse legend, co-founder of the PLL. The PLL is back in Baltimore this weekend, and we will catch up with Paul Rabel next right here on GCR hike to new heights the best view is yours in washington county our iconic scenic overlooks provide some of the most breathtaking vistas in the mid-atlantic some are very easy walks some can be driven to and some are the payoff for a moderate to difficult hike all are near quaint small towns that offer great dining shopping hiking gear and more explore our five national parks for iconic vistas and wineries with breathtaking views visit our quaint historic towns and make your stay unforgettable. Learn more at visithagerstown.com. Maryland, be open.
8: Hey Os fans, on Saturday, August 5th, when the Os take on the New York Mets at 7:05, celebrate the 40th anniversary of the 1983 World Series by being one of the first 20,000 fans 15 and over to receive an Eddie Murray 1983 World Series bobblehead. Presented by Royal Farms. Come out to honor this World Series championship team and arrive early for Early Bird Saturdays when gates open two hours early with happy hour, live music, and more. Get your tickets today
3: at orioles.com tickets soak up summertime fun in charm city enjoy only in baltimore festivals mouthwatering eats and endless entertainment cheer on the o's at camden yards pick crabs by the waterfront beat the heat inside a world-class museum and make memories that will last a lifetime go to baltimore.org for more information and to plan your visit
0: you feel that? That's the sound of football coming back, and now's the time to place your preseason bets with SuperBook Sports. SuperBook is the most trusted name in Vegas, and now you can use my promo code GlennClark23 to score up to two hundred fifty dollars with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, they'll match your first bet up to two hundred fifty dollars with the promo code GlennClark23, all one word, no spaces, two N's in Glenn. Don't miss out this football season. Win some money with SuperBook sports and that promo code glennclark23 visit superbook.com for terms and conditions gambling problem call
3: 1-800-GAMBLER i'm michael Jan Grandy, president of aj michaels your carrier energy expert for 44 years save money energy and make your home more comfortable and virus-free find us at ajmichaels.com that's ajmichaels.com
2: Maryland drivers, did you know you can save up to 77% on tolls with an Easy Pass Maryland discount plan? That's right, 77%. It's never been easier. Pick the plan that's right for you at driveezmd.com. We'll keep you moving. It's a Maryland thing.
3: Picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food, check. Quality of service, check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking, check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4, available in hybrid or gas only models.
2: A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for
4: deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark.
0: All right, back in here on GCR as we're into hour number two. And yes, coming up later this hour, we are scheduled to chat. It's so, like, I I feel the awkwardness. The the Twitter responses to us having Buster Olney on have not. Now, look, as I said, we're going to do it. We're going to have a conversation. That's the way it's going to go. Um, but Buster only is scheduled to join us later on this hour, so stay tuned for that. But right now, we actually had to do this a little bit earlier on this morning. We had the opportunity to catch up with uh, an absolute icon from the sport of lacrosse. A great conversation with Paul Rabel right here on G C R.
7: Yeah, I got you, Glenn. How you doing? That's I'm good, dude. That's that's
0: a mistake. It. That's a mistake. It's it's you can probably make sure that we have the Danny, you just learned something this morning. You just learned something really important. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it nicely. We were talking before the show about how stressed we were. When you pre-record an interview, you have a very minimal amount of time in order to get it edited and ready to go for air so you can turn around and put it on the program. And Griffin was on top of that. And I was like, you got it, right? You got it edited because there's multiple edits that need to be made. Yeah, I got it. But as it turns out, that wasn't the case. As you just heard, that was not the edited for air version of the interview that we just pressed play on. That was the version where I was exchanging pleasantries before we began recording with Paul Rabel. Which is fine. No problem. It's not like we said anything in there that couldn't be aired. It was just catching up with someone that I've gotten to know over the years. And this happens all the time in broadcasting, where you you get to know and you you have a nice conversation and you say hello. But it's just not something that everybody else needs to hear. You guys obviously did not need to hear Paul Rabel and I catching up. Hey, buddy. How are you? So now it's important, and the stress that Griffin's feeling in the moment is now it's important to make sure that the other edits to the interview were also actually made because if that's the only issue you can get it taken care of quickly but if he say downloaded an incorrect version of the interview then it's going to sound very bad so I'm sharing not just for Danny but for all of you that have ever wondered what it looked like inside we had everything ready to go. Broadcast professionals. Until that wasn't the case. How much more do you think I'm going to need to vamp before we can get to this, Griffin? How much more do you think I'm going to need this like this thirty forty seconds. <sighs> one of these days. One of these days, we're gonna we're gonna hammer out all the kinks. We're gonna make it work. And everything is just gonna sound Marvelous when we do. In the meantime, it's just gonna be more of this. So, what do you want to talk about? What do you guys do you think? Do you think do you think we're good or still
1: still waiting on? Wanted to deliver. Um, uh, you want to say about what we're to talk you about you with want to no, say anything? Me, yeah. I I apologize to everyone sincerely. Mm-hmm. It's it's on me. I should. No, have it's definitely to true. Down. Yes,
0: there's no there's nowhere else to pass this buck. It's one of the funniest things that we do, and we all do it as humans. Like when you drop the ball in a football game, like you're playing football and you just drop the ball that's right to you. And you're I like, can't wait to hear. you like, Paul Rabel. You're like, hey man, it's on me. Everybody's like, yes, we know it's definitely on you. We all saw. There's no one else could possibly be on. It is on you. Can we talk to Paul Rabel now? Yes, I would love to. Why don't we do that? Well, this weekend, Homewood Field is the place to be as the PLL returns to Baltimore. Two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. Joining us now, co-founder of the PLL, one of the great players in both Johns Hopkins and pro lacrosse history. He is Paul Rabel, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Paul, it's Glenn. It's always good to catch up, man. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes.
7: Glenn, man, it's so good to be back home. It's so good to be with you, and I'm excited to talk about this weekend. You know, I
0: got to tell you, I like the, I think the first time you guys came to Homewood Field, you had invited my sons and I down to the field before the Saturday night game, and my, I think he was then three, my youngest son, literally like in the middle of everybody warming up, just wandered out into the field and <laughs> grabbed a ball. It was one of yeah. the more concerning moments of my life. But he actually still remembers it. It was such a core memory to him. So I have to thank yeah, you man. for that. <laughs> you know,
7: the uh, so first of all, that was a that was a special night. That was our first sellout in yeah. all history. I remember the Baltimore Sun covered it after the weekend. No one was expecting that, right? We were barnstorming, first year league, taking on one of the more storied uh, venues in college lacrosse yeah. history, which, by the way, had a history of having pro lacrosse teams the baltimore bayhawks played there and they weren't successful so for the same reasons i suppose we run into these paradoxes in life baltimore and long island are the big hotbeds traditionally in lacrosse baltimore and long island hadn't traditionally worked in pro um but that night was special i played in that game our atlas team was yep. comprised of a lot of hopkins guys the Snakes were comprised of a lot of guys. maryland guys yeah. and i still know what your son experienced man like i, I had those same type of know uh, amazing sort of touching the the sport moments as a young kid and those are the things that you remember in the long-term
0: bank i was really cool man and obviously it's been really cool to have you guys back and i know how much it means to you um i is it all weird like when you get to this weekend is there all at all a party that's like you know maybe i wouldn't mind like throwing on the pads for a weekend like maybe (laughs) seriously
7: yeah i think it's been thinking about that it's been haunting my dreams all week uh yeah no i like i mean this weekend's a special one it's a different one this year though because uh up until this point our homewood weekend has been the third week of june Mm -hmm. uh but this year we had the world game so the international competition of of men's lacrosse at the senior level so we had to bump our schedule around and we took Uh, Our Baltimore weekend, the first week of August, which made us a little nervous, but um, man, it sold so well. We're so excited for the games tonight. I know tickets are are still available, uh, but we're trending ahead of uh, last year, which we had 13,000 people in over the weekend. Um, and just these activations between the PLL Junior Champions, we have our Pro Lacrosse Hall of Fame induction and in two games on ABC.
0: And I saw that uh, there's even like a, a pre-weekend event uh, where uh, our, our buddy RJ and uh, the great Bubba Fairman are going to be like bartending tonight. To try to banditos. Kick... Yeah, it's dope. That's yeah. dope. Love... Yeah,
7: surprise Coach Holman let Bubba do that. But,
0: uh, <laughs> hey, man, you know, that we'll guy's see. awesome. Yeah. I love that. Guy's that guy's a machine. I love <laughs> that guy so much. Uh, all right, Paul. So it's just, it's just you and me now, right? Nobody's listening. Nobody's watching, but ba- okay. Baltimore's gonna be a, a home city, right? Like I mean, we can, we can just go ahead and <laughs> we can just confirm that, right? <laughs> I, mean. I mean,
7: look, the, the criteria that we have been running all the math against is fandom is venue availability, venue performance, venue market fit, uh, perspective, ownership groups, as well as other amazing pro sports franchises, all the way down to commercial viability and and tourism groups. So since day one, Baltimore has been at the top of our list in way of performance. Um, But there are are a whole lot of of other factors we've been looking at, right? We have eight teams to place across the country. Um, And we're looking at, just, just as we reinvented our PLL model out of the gate, uh, we look at the history of pro sports and case studies in the NFL and the NBA, all the way to F1, UFC, MLS quite a bit. Um, and there are, uh, I think there are a couple of surprises we have up our sleeve that it should be, uh, it should work in the favor of this thing as we continue to get it to grow and expand and and build into a prominent sport in North America.
0: All right, I know that wasn't the answer that I was looking for. I understand. Sorry, man. Yeah, that was the I, I that was understand like the hell political. Right. That's yeah. that's who you are now. Like I get it. You have to handle all those things. But like again, you know, just between. Right, – Right. We'll save that. Let, let, can we talk about? Because you mentioned a word in their ownership. Because admittedly, Paul, I'll I'll tell you flatly that when I saw the news, I was very excited. Right. Like I oh, yeah. I have I have said I think this is a great thing for the PLL. And then, you know, you see the immediate follow up, which is, well, you know, it's going to be still just one home weekend. I'm like, oh, okay. I don't really know how I feel about that. And then I wonder if that's just a step in the process, because you use the word there ownership. Right. And and that feels like you really are trying to get to a place where there are eight, like genuinely competing groups, interests. And would that involve more of a like a home game feel there being more events during the course of a summer Um, at some point in the future?
7: Yeah, I mean, great question. So we study the history of pro lacrosse and of the 200 pro sports leagues, believe it or not, that have started since 1991 at the 1% success rate based on your ability to sustain beyond three years. And we look at why sports often topple over, and it's too much too fast. And it's it's, uh, ignoring all the information that you don't know, that you don't have a grapple over. And oddly, lacrosse being the oldest sport in North America with loads of data around it, an Olympic sport, in 1904, 1908, 1908, in 1877, it was the first college team sport between Manhattan and NYU. It's been across the NCAA for a long time. It's now 90 countries are playing. We have loads of data. We're not building flamball. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to be a successful commercial pro team, I mean, that's, they still fail in the NFL to a degree. That's why the Chargers moved. You know, and so we, uh, we want to get this right. And we move fast across our business units and we move fast with decisions, but related to getting to the world that that you and I both see, where you have home and away teams, you have uh, those, you know, kind of in a market of a fanatical community and you're stretching the season across six months. All that stuff is, is on our roadmap, but we can't just jump to it. Otherwise we'd run a big risk. So, um, so yes, this is, I think the best of both worlds in getting us to a place where we can sort of plant eight flags in communities and create that bond that we're used to celebrating on your show and others when yeah. it comes to the Ravens and the O's and, um, and then depending on when the next step is taken is how fast we, we move and can, and can track that success.
0: Uh, it's really important. We're chatting with Paul Rabel, of course. The PLL is here this weekend, Homewood Field, two games, both Saturday and Sunday. And and, and Paul, what you just said to me is so important because, and I've talked about it with a bunch of people. And I, I don't want to disparage other you know leagues that have come into town or teams that have come into town, but and I'm sure you'll understand this being where you're from. There's a lot of times where people have attempted to run a Baltimore professional entity from DC, right? And like I've said, yeah. hey, we can we can do this and you know yeah. from the time that you have spent in both markets they are two very unique individual markets as as totally. close as we are there's two you've got to be here you have to like have a, a feel at like local community events and you know 4th of July parades and things like that that we care about in this market and so what you yeah. just said to me is is really encouraging and i'm not just saying that you know because you're talking to me it really is encouraging to me that like I I hear you saying I get that and that's what we want. We're just not ready to do that quite yet. But the goal is for that to be the case as we make that transition in the coming years.
7: Yeah, and we talk about okay. Well, let's just call it three sixty three plus two. So we're putting together a huge strategy around the three sixty
9: three.
7: Our players living in markets. What type of exhibitions are we doing on behalf of the team? Community events are we doing? How is PLL assist our nonprofit arm working with the local Boys and Girls Club, YMCA, um, XYZ? Right. Um, that is uh, that's also an, an important uh, effort of ours that we're putting on onto paper and we're going to invest in, such that it's not like. Just a drop in for those two days every
0: year. I think it's huge. I really, I genuinely believe that's huge, and I, I love to hear that, man. Again, PremierLacrosseLeague.com dot is the website. Get your tickets for the PLL this weekend, um, Paul. I wondered because you mentioned, I heard you in one of the previous answers bring up uh, lacrosse having been an Olympic sport, and that's been such yeah. a a talking point in recent years within the sport, right? I worked the um, the women's world championships last summer for ESPN. Of course, you mentioned the men's championships this summer. And I wonder like, how difficult it's been for you as you're trying to do what's best for the PLL, but also at the same time, you know how important this is to the sport at the moment, but it's an entirely different concept that's trying to be introduced to get lacrosse into the Olympics. How tough has it been of a, a line for you guys to walk for, we need to do what's best for us and we're trying to do what's best for the sport as well?
7: I mean, you, you take us down another uh, path of understanding history and what's worked and what hasn't. For me, if I look at history, it was an easy decision, which was, okay, rising tide lifts all boats in this case. So we actually dedicated and committed internal resources to World Lacrosse, which is the governing body, overseeing the, um, the process into the IOC, then into LA-28. We took off, as you mentioned, those two intentional weeks for the World Games this summer – and I was a part of personally a lot of the uh, a lot of the conversations and the pitches that we will find out whether or not worked or, or didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and so ultimately, you know, lacrosse is a, once again an officially sanctioned Olympic sport. We got that nod in the end of 2018, and this path that we've been on since then is getting back into the games as a medal sport. And we're eyeing LA 28, and you find out in the middle of October when the IOC makes their announcement. So. We're, uh, we're close to the end of understanding this stage of where lacrosse can be internationally. My view is that if you get access to the rings as a discipline, that's universal language, sure, and it is elevating mm-hmm. for lacrosse. It is, uh, it is educating people about lacrosse. It is unlocking resources to kids around the world who can play lacrosse through their national governing bodies. And that, if we can't figure out, how that is advantageous for the P.O.L. I'm the wrong posi- person in this position.
0: I, I appreciate that. I understand exactly what you're saying. Um, and, and, Paul, I, I don't think I've ever talked to you about this before. I just – I know how close you were with Coach Petramala. I wonder, yeah. you know, ha- have you – what's the relationship been like for, with you and Coach Milliman? And, you know, this felt like it was kind of a critical season uh, in a way, and it was huge to see what Hopkins did this season and getting things turned around and after things kind of looked – Really dicey there for a minute. What what has that relationship been like with you and other alums? And how yeah. important was it to you to see what occurred this season at a time where, you know, it, it, it was. It was kind of a bleak little stretch there.
7: Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, look, Johns Hopkins lacrosse has definitely gone through a, a, a memorable stretch of challenges. Um, I think my exposure... As a, as a professional athlete for 15 years and someone that was a part of the Hopkins program, but also spent loads of time in sports psychology. I'm, I'm, I'm the last alumni that's going to come down sort of the backs of the athletic department, and be like, why are we not winning? Sports are just freaking complicated. And, uh, and I feel for the team and, you know, the last decade of a stretch that we've had, because it's not the thing that I always go back in the locker room. It's not like these guys don't care. You know, if you have a culture of, of, that's developed of guys that are okay with mediocrity, then, then there are issues Then you need to roll your sleeves up. Mm-hmm. I think that, that we've been caught, and uh, the, administ- the, the administration didn't do a, a great job of transitioning, and I was on, sort of on the record around that between my former coach, Petromalo, who's still a dear friend of mine, and the current coaching staff. I think what Milliman's done well, though, is bring back Hopkins alum. As coaches, so you yeah. have Kessler and mm-hmm. Crawley, who respectively improved the defense and offensive, uh, bit, offensive units dramatically, um, and, I, and I think that's important because that, that's part of the fabric of Hopkins. Much like the fabric of a team coming into a city is is that authenticity, and and it's always been, uh, coaches who have played or the majority of the coaching staff who have played in the blue, black, and white.
0: I think that every guy that I talked to this season on that team raved about, particularly Coach Crawley, like it's this, and you could see the impact immediately. I mean, it was pretty damn obvious the impact that he was having uh, and what he was doing with that team. It was wild. I
7: mean, look, Glenn, Bill Simmons is now uh, talking quite a bit about lacrosse because his son plays, and one of his early comments to me was, you know, I think there's a lot of strategy strategy in this game. I'm just not sure yet. And I was like, wait till you open up the hood. And so we could spend another segment talking about what Crawley's done. But, you know, he has created a system that's really worked in a great motion offense. And it's difficult on the other end when you have sort of zone busting players, which Hopkins doesn't have per previous years. Sure. You, You don't necessarily run that flow of a motion offense. So I think he's done a fabulous job with the talent that he has. And as he gets more years to recruit guys that can zone bust, you'll see a mix of or perhaps a hybrid of that motion offense and then good one-on-one uh, pick and roll. All
0: right, I know I need to let you go because you've got a million of these to do today, but give everybody <laughs> – for, for someone that still is not Ben, does not know, give me the 30- the, the to 60-second pitch on why they need to be at Homewood Field this weekend.
7: It's all right, look, I'll try to make it simple. Um, it, you're, you're listening to us because you're either in Baltimore or the great state of Maryland, where I'm from. Look, lacrosse is the team sport of Maryland. There should be lacrosse sticks on our Maryland flag. It's, been, it's the oldest sport of North America, and it was one of the first regions in the United States that picked up lacrosse. That's why we're so good at it. It's likely your neighbor or your neighbor's best friend who's going to go to college and play lacrosse. This is the version of the game that's at its finest. There's four of them this weekend, so if you can't make one, two, or three, you surely should be able to make another. Two of them are on ABC, Saturday and Sunday. Let's see, Saturday, Glenn, we have 3 o'clock. Sunday, the games start at 1, and uh, we really hope to see you there. Uh,
0: It is an incredible weekend, and I've been multiple times. It is an awesome way to spend uh, an afternoon and an evening. At Paul Rabel on Twitter. PremierLacrosseLeague.com. Paul, always appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for hopping on with
7: us. Yeah, it's great to hear you. Thank you.
0: That's Paul Rabel, of course, Johns Hopkins, lacrosse legend, co-founder of the PLL, and that really did, you know, I think if you guys have heard a couple times, I have referenced this announcement of Home Cities and how much of it felt like a almost, I hate to say the words wet blanket, but it just sort of felt in the immediacy when I read like, oh, but there's just going to be one home weekend. I was like, "Mm." That ain't it. But I'm extraordinarily encouraged by what Paul Rabel said, which is, hey, we know that. Like, we know. And we're 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 going to get there. We're just not there yet. And we don't want to just do something that we don't think we're ready for and then end up having it fail because we weren't ready to do it. Ultimately, that's where it needs to be. And I am encouraged by what Paul Rabel said. He knows that. Ultimately, there need to be home markets. There needs to be... Players involved in those markets, there needs to be a touch. I, I joke about like the Fourth of July parade thing, but it's real. The the reason why the Baltimore Blast, who exists in a league that no one knows what it's called. And the many times the Baltimore Blast have moved from league to league, no one's ever cared. Because the point is if you grew up in this community, you had a touch with the Baltimore Blast. You went to a soccer camp that was run by a Baltimore Blast player you went to an event and met a Baltimore Blast player because they were here. They were part of the community. And that made you inclined to say, that that's part of what I know. And I'll go, and I'll watch. Even though, again, no one with a gun to their head could tell you the name of the league that the Baltimore Blast play in. PLL unfortunately is in this tough spot where they want to be more of a major professional sports league than the indoor soccer league they've they've got these relationships with ESPN they have games airing on ABC this weekend but they're not making the type of money where yet they're able to have the players all located in one market where they would be playing. So how do they get there? And I appreciate the answer. They still got to get there. I mean, like, it's it's the answer alone is the start. Then you got to get there. But I appreciate that explanation. Hey, you want to be a home market, not because it's going to change dramatically next year, but because our vision is that it will. We will get there. It would be... Insane to me if Baltimore wasn't. I like. I have to imagine that um, Baltimore will end up being one of the home markets for the PLL. Paul Rabel wasn't willing to break that news with me this morning, which was a real shame. That would have been nice. I didn't expect it. They're going to make an announcement. They're going to do their whole thing. Oh, That would have been cool, though. That'll be live next season. The, uh, the Yeah, next the season cities, they'll have the host cities. City. But again, the host cities next year will, only, will only have... Well, they'll only or, have one weekend. There won't be they won't be playing home and away games next year. They'll still be doing right, the right. the weekend events. It's just that if you are one of the home teams, if you become the Baltimore whip snakes or whatever, you'll play two games the weekend that you're at home.
1: Are we rooting for a particular name? Like do we want to be the Baltimore Atlas?
0: Um of the oh, you mean of the current names? Yeah.
1: Are they gonna uh, are they gonna change all the names too? I guess. I don't you know, we should have asked that. Yeah,
0: yeah. Thanks for dropping that in after we talked to him. Sorry. See, you're you're having a banner morning, Griffin. <laughs> you're having the, just one of your best days. <laughs> hey, I just thought of this great question. I mean, yeah. it's not it's not pressing, but sure, it could have it, it would have been something that we could have asked Paul Rabel about. <laughs> no, <I'm> so sorry. <laughs> we were just busy. <laughs> we were busy with what exactly? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, hey, you want to tell us about what's going on at Live Casino and Hotel?
1: Yeah, yeah, I do want to tell you about it. Though. They got a $25,000 Baccarat tournament Ooh. yeah, on uh, August 31st. Oh, Bert
0: Baccarat tournament. Mm. I love those. Do you
1: have what it takes to be a champion? Try your hand at the $25,000 Baccarat tournament at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland on August 31st. Compete for your chance to be one of six players to take home a share of twenty five thousand dollars, with a guaranteed prize of eight thousand eight hundred eighty eight dollars in cash. Eight thousand eight hundred eighty eight. That's eight 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 Ooh. in cash. With a buy-in of just fifty dollars, this is an opportunity you don't want to miss. For more info, go to maryland.livecasinohotel.com/promotions. Uh- Two things. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Go ahead. Yeah, yep. sorry. Oh, I was going to repeat the website. Maryland.livecasinohotel.com slash promotions. Adirondal Mills must be 21. Please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER.
0: All right. Very good. So two things. One, Brian Powell tells us that Brian, uh, that uh, Paul Rabel has previously said that they might consider changing some names once the uh, teams are placed in the cities. Two, uh, I, I have not been able to follow it all morning because you know we've had this pesky show get in the way. But there has been a lot going on this morning with the future of the Pac-12, which, as of last night, looked like the Pac-12 was dead, 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 Dom. Like, it was over as a league, which is wild to me. Like, wild to me that the Pac-12 is just going to die. But then out of nowhere this morning, like the Undertaker meme, the Pac-12 comes rising up out of the coffin. And they're hopping on a call, and they're going to get all the schools, besides Colorado, who's already out, to sign this media rights deal, and they're going to save the league. Save Ferris. It's all, I mean, it's unbelievable. They're all going to get on the call. Apple's on board. They're getting the rights deal done. The Pac-12 is not dead. Uh, and then they got on the call, and apparently the Pac-12 is actually dead. It, Last night it was Arizona going to the Big 12. Today it's uh, Oregon Washington. and Washington definitely going to the Big 10. And that leaves Arizona State. San Diego State. Well, San Diego State. No, I mean, like, right now the teams that are left in the league league would be Arizona State, Cal, Stanford, Washington State, Oregon State, and Utah. Utah. Now, those six teams alone certainly are not a league. Now, could they be – presumably, the, the leagues would have the choice of, like, picking apart the scraps, right? Like, what do you want? And the thought is that, like, Utah, Arizona State, Cal, and Stanford probably would find some sort of home. Right? Like, probably, they would find somewhere. The Big 12 would probably take them in that would leave Oregon State and Washington State who would probably have to, like, step back down to the Mountain West. Would probably be left with kind of no choice, but, sorry, this is where you're going to be now. And it would be good for the Mountain West, but not necessarily good for Oregon State and Washington State to go from, you know, power five, which will now, I guess, become power four, um, down to a lower league. Now, could all of those schools that are left over try to get together and, you know, take in San Diego State and take in, you know, whoever else would be left at that point from the Mountain West that would be desirable and create some sort of Super League? Maybe it wouldn't be a Super League, but something that would be something between a power five and the Mountain West, they could try. They, They certainly could try to do that. But the the part that's wild is that it absolutely appears to be that the Pac-12 is dead, is over as we know it, and they saw it coming for years, and they did nothing in order to save the league. As this morning, the schools got together, and they were supposed to get a grant of rights done for a media deal, and they didn't, and now it does indeed appear as though Oregon and Washington will be big 10 bound which will be just another level of weird for a school like Maryland where you're going to be making you're going to have soccer teams making trips to the west coast a lot throughout the course of the year it's a it's a bizarre bit man but it is not my problem it is somebody else's problem to solve and they'll have to think about that at uh, those schools All right, joining us now, uh, of course, uh, ESPN, MLB reporter and insider, and uh, he was here in Baltimore last Sunday night for Orioles-Yankees, which is, of course, a very pleasant night for Orioles fans. He is Buster Olney, and he is back with us now here on GCR. Buster, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's always good to catch up. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us.
9: Absolutely. What's going on? I I didn't know. Yeah, you know, with the Orioles playing so well, I guess uh, you don't have to worry about the the college conferences for a bit.
0: No, that is the nice part. Is that it is not our problem, really. <laughs> We've got uh, far more pleasant things going on. Um. uh Buster. You know, I look. Let's let's not. I think you. You know, if, everybody's mad at me because I'm bringing you on the show. I'm like, I like Buster. I'm happy to talk to Buster. What What was your like? Ha- have you been able to like find a place with the Orioles fans? Where you're like, hey, I don't hate you guys. (laughs) Like, like, what's that relationship been like between you and Orioles fans?
9: Well, I I mean, on social media, uh, I I find it to be funny because what I criticized the Orioles for, you know, three years about was the same thing I criticized the Astros for, uh, the Cubs, uh, you know, the Phillies, and a number of teams that tanked the way that the Orioles did, Um, and Oakland this year, another team that's tanking now. And it's basically criticism of ownership to to buy into a to buy into a you know a plan where you are essentially uh, you know cutting back your payroll so you can make a lot of money. That's what it's about. Um, along the way, you also get uh, top draft picks. The Astros were the first ones to really popularize that, along with the Cubs. And clearly, it's a system that can work, but you're essentially barring on the integrity of other teams. And so, I criticize ownership. I've never criticized the players, <laughs> never criticized the staff. It's clear Mike Elias and his, and his group have done a great job of picking the players. It's one thing to have top draft picks. It's a whole other thing to get those picks right. So, you know, I, 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 uh, yeah, I, I kind of don't get it, to be honest with you. So,
0: so let me, because I feel like you and I talked about this once before. Inherently, right, I, and I said this to a couple of people this morning, the point of in American professional sports, we don't we shouldn't want there to be teams that are trying and teams that are not trying. It seems like a pretty simple concept to me, right? Like I've I've kind of always agreed right. with that. Like in in general, I I want it to be that there is fair competition between as many as teams as possible throughout the league. And I think that the separating part is obviously the part that we're seeing right now and the other teams that you brought up is that hey, this concept has continuously worked. Like, it's, and maybe not for everybody, and I'm sure there are people in Miami that would scream at me for saying that, or, or other markets where they'd say, yeah, they told us that they were doing this and it didn't work out that way. But, like, the Astros model obviously worked, and that seemed to be the one the Orioles were following, and it, it seems to be working. So I guess the question is, how do we measure those two? How do we measure the idea that, yeah, I, I, it, to an, a level, I agree, we shouldn't want tanking or teams that aren't trying But it seems like, at least until they changed the draft concept in the last couple of years, in baseball, it it showed real dividends and was arguably one of the better ways of getting back to a place of relevance.
9: Well, and I would push back on you on this regard. I don't think it's as much about the draft pick and draft position as it is about owners choosing a path because they know they guarantees them tens of millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, if you're a front office person, you're trying to sell this to your owner – you can tell the owner, look, uh, you know, odds are if we, if we do this, if we cut our payroll the bone of $40 million, we're probably going to choose the top of the draft. We may or may not pick the right players. We believe we're going to pick the right players. But here's the guarantee. You're going to make boatloads of money. <laughs> you're going to be able to pocket boatloads of money because you're not paying anything in payroll. And we can pretend we're putting out a major league product because they have major league uniforms on and they're playing against teams that are actually trying. And, you know, that that to me is someone who's covered professional sports for a long time. That's kind of uh, you're, you're telling you you're selling tickets to a major league product when you know you are purposefully putting on less than a major league product. As we And you're 100 percent right. Like a lot of teams have done it. I think there are probably uh, as many examples where it didn't work in terms of the competition uh, as it did work. But it worked for all of the owners who did it because they it's a strategy to make tons of money.
0: So, is the follow-up the back end of it? Because this is the part where, and again, I, as where I'm willing to be critical, I, I would say one of the frustrating things is the Orioles are experiencing this, and yet they're not, you know, capitalizing in it by announcing a a long-term extension for Gunnar Henderson, who looks like he's going to be right a true superstar. Is there something to be said for if, when you're saving the money in those years? you're then using it to spend, once you have acquired the talent, that that, that maybe mitigates what we're saying about you know, the profit. And the Orioles have to prove they're willing to do that, obviously. Like, they're not there yet. They haven't started spending that money. But if they do, does it justify the years in which they were clearly just taking in profit without putting out you know, a, a particularly quality product?
9: Look, it's a completely, what we've seen so far from the Orioles' uh, ownership is completely different than, for example, we're seeing in Atlanta, mm-hmm. where they, uh, as, as young players, Acuna Jr., uh, you know, Ozzy Albies, uh, Michael Harris, Spencer Strider, as those guys have graduated into the major league, the Braves have stepped up and said, look, we're going to give you a 10-year deal, we're going to give you a 5-year deal, we're yep. going to give you a 6-year deal, 8-year deal, lock them up, take advantage uh, and, and get team-friendly deals. We have not seen, and, and look, the Astros. I mentioned Jim Crane, who I think is one of the, you know, he's one of the most astute owners in baseball. Uh, you know, he followed up the tanking by uh, investing, being aggressive at the trade line deadline, and going after Verlander in 2017. Uh, you know, signing uh, some of his players like Altuve. We haven't seen if Orioles ownership is going to do that. The only player, I believe, this still to be the case. The only player on a multi-year contract now is James McCann. who was mm-hmm. a salary dump from the Mets. Mm-hmm. The only player. And you know this and I know this. It's great that they're collecting, and they do. I mean, Gunnar Henderson, I picked for rookie of the year this year. He's amazing. I think Adley Rutschman's in the discussion for best catcher in baseball. But the window to sign those guys to team-friendly deals uh, is now, and to the degree that it may have already passed, to some, where it, Every day that goes by, and you don't lock those guys down, it makes it more likely than in three years closer,
10: you're gonna have idiots
9: yeah. like me talking about, hey, we might have to flip these guys uh, for value before they start to flirt with free agency.
0: Um, I, I, you know, we, we we agree on that standpoint, right? Like it was the thing that I I have pounded as much as everybody screamed about wanting the Orioles to spend in free agency last off season, My point all along is, I'd like for the Orioles to spend on their players. Like I'd like for them to announce that we are committing to Adley Rutchman and I get it that's complicated because of his age and his position and I I don't know if Adley Rutchman wanted to do that but I, that that was more right. of what I wanted to see from this organization is show me that you are committed to this group of guys and then we can talk about whatever you would need to add on in free agency like they, there's clearly a pitching thing that has to be dealt with if they're going to make the next step but it feels like that's the thing I think that even, even the people that are completely on board are still sort of saying, hey, we, we need to see that. That's got to be the next step in this process is, can we feel comfortable that this, this window, whatever you want to call it, is going to extend as long as clearly the Astros window has extended for?
9: 100%. You're 100% right. And, and that's why the onus right now is on John Angelos to step out and actually invest Uh, you know, money reflecting how much money they're taking in as an organization and trying to lock up this great core of young players. It's not only, you know, are these guys great players, but there's such a great, uh, you know, camaraderie, esprit de corps. You could see it on Jack Flaherty's face yesterday after how he pitched, Mm -hmm. like he's loving it right away. It's a great group of players and they could accomplish a whole lot together, but you want to give them time to do that. And that's only going to happen if, you know, they actually get out of the business of of it feels like ownership devoting itself to having one of the lowest payrolls in the game. Buster
0: Busteroni is with us here on e- uh, here on ESPN from ESPN here on Glenn Clark Radio. <laughs> uh, I was maybe some wishful thinking involved there, um, Buster. <laughs> I, I wonder what you thought of you know how they handled themselves at the deadline. I, I I do think it's a complicated situation to be in because it appeared as though the cost of pitching was high, and it's easy for me to say. You know, hey, go swing for the fences. Go try to land a Dylan Cease, a Logan Gilbert, somebody with control. Um, you know, Verlander maybe. You know, like I would have, I wouldn't have been opposed, although it seemed like he really wanted to go back to Houston. Um, but at the same time, you know, this is the most, maybe the 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 best core of young talent that's ever been put together in Baltimore and throughout the system. And I understand the argument of not necessarily wanting to pay a significant price of that right now just yet. And so I, I did get that it was a difficult spot. What did you make of how they handled themselves?
9: I thought Mike thread the needle perfectly. Uh, they needed to get something. You know, we were, and I, and I you know, have a, tons of respect for Kyle Gibson. You saw his quotes on Monday night before the deadline, the day before the deadline in which he said, look, if we don't add some," and I'm paraphrasing, if we don't add somebody, then, then we'll be okay because we have a great team. And that's a, a great perspective to take. But just being around the team over the weekend and seeing you know what was going on with Tyler Wells and Kramer you you can tell like it's a pitching staff that, that needed support, and so yes, if you wanted to step out and, and pay uh, you know the Mariners for Logan Gilbert or you wanted to pay the White Sox for Dylan Cease, it was going to take a boatload. I talked on Sunday Night Baseball about how Verlander in some respects felt like a perfect match for the Orioles because you know, of his his background growing up in Virginia, uh, you know, the leadership that he would uh, extend. But I also knew that the Mets were going to demand a a high return Mm -hmm. uh, coming back if they were going to eat that contract. And so, you know, what Mike did, he wound up getting Jack Flaherty, who clearly in the five starts before the Orioles acquired him, was using his fastball more, commanding it more, throwing it harder. And he was better. And that, you know, getting a two month rental versus paying for Verlander, or paying for Cease, or paying for Gilbert. That was an excellent move for where they are. And, and it did feel like watching that game yesterday, like Jack Flaherty's walked in there as a young pitcher, but because the Orioles are so young, it's like, he's the big brother coming in to help out his teammates,
0: hmm.
9: you know, his new teammates. It, 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 it was an excellent acquisition, especially because Jack's been trending up lately.
0: What he did in the sixth inning yesterday was almost breathtaking. Like, yep. The, it's, the biggest issue that I had felt in recent weeks is that they had like one fewer guy. Like as much as we've given credit, batista has been magical. I mean, it's, it's one of the most insane seasons we've ever seen from a relief pitcher. But behind that, there's been a lot of shakiness, and they've been taxed. And for him to just say, no, I'm going to get out of this myself, I'll clean up my own mess— is something that we we just haven't seen from the young Orioles pitchers. I mean, Braddish has started to get to that point, right? Like he's really turned the corner and kind of become that guy. But outside of him, we just haven't seen that this season. It was breathtaking to me to see how he handled himself in the sixth inning yesterday.
9: Yep. A hundred percent. Uh, and it's exactly what they need in this moment where it feels like, uh, you know, if you imagine that they're all in a rowboat, he's, he's grabbing an oar and he's like, I got mine, you know, I'll take care of mine. And, and, uh, As I say, if they had gone through the deadline without adding starting pitcher, I think that would have been an enormous mistake. And in the end, uh, you know, they get a perfect guy for their circumstances and they basically hang on to the the core of what, uh, what Mike's been building.
0: I am still concerned, Buster, that there's not quite enough pitching for them to be able to get past the Rangers and Astros in the American League. But we do have to acknowledge that they've played a brutal stretch of a schedule and they came out of it playing quite well. They're the best team in the American League. I'm still just very worried about these innings limits that are coming. Is it possible that they can somehow make this work to push everyone to as much as they can have innings limit-wise and find enough pitching to, to do the unthinkable and get through the gauntlet of the American League this year?
9: Yeah, I'm sure it's possible. I agree with you. It's a concern. The one thing I would say is right now, besides the Astros, who were strengthened by adding uh, Verlander. You know, they just got Jordan Alvarez back. He's probably the best pure hitter in baseball. Jose Altuve back. Um, And they have a champion's uh, competitive arrogance. And I say that with great respect. Like, those guys believe they're going to find a way. Besides the Astros, I I, I mean, I I think the Orioles, uh, you know, are better than the rest of the teams in the way they're playing. You know, think about all the teams they're competing against uh, in the division, Tampa Bay yesterday just lost their ace Shane McClanahan with an elbow issue. That's a huge concern. That's a that's a body blow for the Rays, who have obviously been trending downward. The Red Sox don't add at the deadline again, uh, and, and you know they've they've had this uh, breakout with two of the young stars, Cassis and, and Duran, but it's not like they're a juggernaut. The Yankees are having all kinds of problems, as we saw last weekend. Uh, you know, Texas has had injury issues. Zavaldi going down after Degrom. So even after they get Scherzer, they've got issues. I think the Orioles are, are well suited to, you know, potentially make a deep run. Uh it'll be interesting to see where the matchups go in, in the playoffs, because I do think Houston, you know, will go into the postseason as is the favorite to come through the American League unless they suffer a major injury. All
0: right. I know I, I'm this is dangerous because we could probably do an hour on this topic and I know I can't let you stay that much longer because <laughs> you've already given me more time. But I, I, I want to tell you, I'm just going to present to you my feelings, right? And then I, I want to get, because I know how you feel about the Mike Messina <laughs> thing. We yeah. agree inherently about Mike Messina. And Orioles fans get on me about this all the time. But I'm, I'm from here. I'm one of them. I have no problem saying it. We are petulant. We are small when it comes to this topic. Mike Messina <laughs> was the, I, you know, I'm 40 years old, Buster, so I didn't get to see the, the Jim Palmer at his peak. Mike Messina is the best pitcher I've ever seen in my life. As an Orioles fan, and Mike Messina was dominant for a decade in Baltimore and took a hometown discount. In
9: the steroid era, in the American League East.
0: Yes, also true. And took a hometown discount to stay in Baltimore, which never gets talked about when we talk about him leaving for New York. He was killed by his peers for taking a hometown discount in 1997 to stay in Baltimore. It is a major part of why I have such admiration for Mike Messina is because he was once willing to do that. Yes, like every other, I was a child, I was 20, whatever I was, I was bothered by the fact that Mike Messina went to be a Yankee. But that's what it is. That's the nature of fandom. The reality is I understand the circumstances. I think that Mike Messina should be honored. I think it's absurd to hide behind the policy of what's on a plaque the, it, it almost is more naked to me that you say, "Hey, if he just would have told us that we were pretty, we would we would be willing to recognize his career. Nothing would else change about his career. It's just I need you to tell me that I'm the prettiest of your ex girlfriends, and that's take it, this
9: loyalty oath. It, 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 yeah, it's really it's
0: a pledge of fealty, right? Like it's 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 almost absurd. I'm not bothered by Adley Rutschman wearing the number because you know it, The number's not retired, and so if it's not, then that's the number that Adley Rutschman wants to wear, then Adley Rutschman. so we separate there, right? But the Mike Messina thing, there's there's no policy that's going to make me feel better about it. I, I think it's truly a shame that we are so lost in, we hate the Yankees, that we refuse to recognize the greatness of Mike Messina for a decade in this city.
9: Yeah, uh, and look, it's not when I, I remember when I first tweeted it. I remember when Adley got 35, I was I was just stunned because this was after Mike had been honored by the Hall of Fame. And you assume at some point uh, that the Orioles would retire 35 because, you know, he was drafted and developed by the Orioles. He spent 10 years with the team. He laid out, you know, how terrific he was as a pitcher. Uh, and, and, you know, as I, after that happened, I researched and found that no other player in the history of Major League Baseball Ball, had had played that long for his first team and been a Hall of Famer, and not had his number retired. Not not anybody. So it's an outlier situation. And here's the other part: that uh, I you know I covered Mike with the Orioles yep. in 1995 and '96. I covered him with the Yankees in 2001. I uh, Peter Angelos uh, I covered for years and talked to him most days, and I have tons of respect for Peter. Uh, you know what he accomplished in his career. But I remember talking to him you know, during those days as Mike's getting ready to leave for the Yankees, and Peter was so angry. He was so, and he felt like essentially, and I'm paraphrasing here, but I think his perspective was Mike's a traitor because he left and he, to sign with the Yankees. Uh, and you just assume that over time, you know, with the passage of time, that everybody gets past that stuff. Look, John Smoltz, Tom Glavin left the Braves on not great terms. They wound up signing elsewhere. And then they're welcome back. Each row was traded by the Mariners under less than great terms. And then they bring him back. Same thing with Griffey. That happens all the time. And so I just assumed after Mike, you know, got into the Hall of Fame, at some point the Euros are going to retire the number. And then Adley gets number 35, which pretty much closes the door in all likelihood on that happening, maybe down the road. 30 years down the road, somebody will retire 35 for both Adley and, yeah, the, and the, Mike. The, the yeah,
0: the Cubs did that, right, with Maddox and, and I don't remember who else it was. Right, Fer- It was Ferguson Jenkins, yeah. So, you know, that could happen.
9: Right, exactly. That could happen. So, uh, But it just, and, and knowing the background on it, knowing how you know, the relationship was, I, I just, it, it's like, come on, let's be honest here about what really took place. That Peter was mad about Mike leaving. And, and that's why you have this in place. And not, as you say, it's a policy that they can change any time they want. And as I mentioned, their handling of this compared to all other players in the history of Major League Baseball, Hall of Famers, is a complete outlier. And if it, look, if, if that's how uh, you know ownership feels, then just come out and you know just be honest. I don't like. I'm with you. I don't don't pretend it's the policy. It's because you're you know it, it, they were really angry when he left.
0: Uh, And I want it to be said, I am so on board with so many things the Orioles have done. I I think that they've done a lot of wonderful things in recent years. So when I criticize them about this, it's not me saying, I think, I just, this one bothers me. Because I I happen to know, and I'm sure you do as well, it bothers Mike Messina. Like, I, I know that. Like, it, 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 he's, you know, he's not that guy, he'll never be that guy. But at his core, you know, he would like to have a better relationship um, with the ball, well, I
9: think he, I, you know, and you know, Mike. I mean, Mike, you know, he's just. I, I actually talked to him about this after, uh, you know, up in Williamsport because we did the Little League Classic, and he was there, and I, and I mentioned to him, and he just got this smile on his face, like, yeah, you know, it is what it is. Here's the thing that I, I think people miss too about him not putting an Oreo logo on his cap is because Mike didn't want to choose sides. He valued his time with the Orioles. He valued his time with the Yankees. You know, he's, as uh, especially as time went on, he left with a lot of great teammates. And so when the Hall of Fame okay, asked him, what do you want to do, did he say, yes, i got to have a Yankee uh, cap? No. He's like, I don't want to choose sides. I like my whole career. So he's kind of playing it down the middle where it feels like, as I say, when you tell a player, look, we'll retire your number if you have an Oriole cap, it, it does feel like a loyalty to me. When it, Again, I, I know the genesis of this because I had so many conversations with Peter about it, uh, about, you know, his anger over Mike leaving.
0: Um, we agree. We agree on that. We agree on that. And again, I will hope that the scenario that you laid out, that Adley Rutschman is so good in Baltimore for so long that one day there is a yep. day that, that the way that it works out. Um, I'll, probably get, I'll probably get yelled at by a lot of Orioles fans for agreeing with you, Buster only, but when we agree, we agree. And I'm going to tell you that's how <laughs> I feel. Uh, Buster, is there anything we can plug for you, man?
9: Uh, no, just Sunday night baseball this week. You have got Padres and uh, and Dodgers, and we got two hired guns starting against each other: Lance Lynn against Rich Hill. So uh, uh, it's uh, been, uh, you it's, know, it's been a good week uh, I mean, for the
0: hired guns, right? <laughs> like they, yes, all, they all, they
9: all, oh man, they were dominant yesterday. No doubt about it.
0: Uh, Buster only appreciate it. Thanks for spending the time with us, and uh, and I hope that at some point uh, none of this matters. The Orioles are celebrating a World Series, and nobody cares about any of these petty things at that point, and that's the way that it goes. <laughs> there you go. Appreciate you doing this. Thanks, Buster. Yep. Take Bust- care. Bye. Buster only from ESPN with us. Go ahead. Flame away. Go ahead. I'm, I'm a big boy. I'll take it. I, I'm... I'm being as honest. I, if you guys listen to the show, you know I don't do shtick. I don't do that type of programming. There are things that we agree about. I, I was as bothered as everyone else was by the tweet that Buster sent. He says, look, I was equally as critical as those other teams. To be fair, we probably weren't looking for that. Like, even my my friend Rita said, but you weren't as critical about those other teams right, um, Buster, she responded to the tweet that you sent, uh, you know, I, mm-hmm. I criticized the Orioles for years, like I did the Astros Cubs, and now the A's for tanking, and Rita said, but he didn't, well, maybe, I, I can't speak to that, right, in that individual tweet, and the thing that got all, all of us all worked up about Buster only, he didn't, mm-hmm. and that was our problem, and I was on board with that, I said that then, singling out the Orioles is nuts, Now, Buster's point is, I I did criticize these other teams. You didn't see that. Because you weren't concerned about what I was saying about the Astros or about the Cubs or about the Athletics. And that's probably true. We are sensitive. We are worked up. I don't agree that the Orioles uniquely were bad for baseball. But I do agree that tanking is a bad idea. We agree about that. It's not good for the sport, for any professional sport, for X number of teams to be trying and X number of teams to not be trying. That's never a good thing for a sport, for that to be the case. You want to have as many teams as possible be competitive. It's what the NFL figured out some time ago, right? There's a reason why the NFL became king. Because every city, for the most part, could go into every season believing their team. If you could squint, you could believe that your team has a chance. That's what the NFL figured out. And inherently, that's the best thing for professional sports leagues. To have 30 or 32 cities where everyone believes and the fan bases are involved and invested and they think they have a chance. That's the healthiest thing that you can get in professional sports. But with the rules being the way that they were and the way that you were going about handling your business, it made sense. Now the follow-up is, the Orioles do have to prove, again, you're going to be mad at me, but Buster's right. And you know this because you're saying the same things. The Orioles have to prove that this wasn't just slashing. That this was thought out that this was a plan and they have to back that up in how they now spend their money moving forward and if the answer is that they're not going to do that that this is just going to be you get a couple of years and then we'll move on from those guys too then we're going to be furious about that that's the reality we're going to be furious that they don't follow up on it. So he's right about that, too. And we know that because we're saying the same things. We don't like the messenger, but we agree with the message. Here's the other thing I'm going to say. I don't really care how you feel about Busteroni. I really don't. I genuinely don't. And, and I mean that. If, you could, if we're just going to decide that we hate Busteroni, that, that, cities do this all the time for nonsensical reasons. I don't feel anything about that. It bothers me when you do that to Jeremy Guthrie. It bothers me that you do that to Mike Messina, but I don't care if you decide that you're just gonna hate Buster only because it's fun or it's a rallying cry or whatever it is that's that's never gonna bother me. I'm gonna speak on behalf of Buster only it's that's, that's Lord do it. We had a conversation. This doesn't suddenly mean that I'm the you know the president of the Buster only fan club. I sure. I want to make that abundantly clear. This is a conversation. This isn't a... I'm not pledging fealty. I'm not doing that either. I, sometimes it's just the way it works. I've said this for some... Sometimes we just. it's just fun to hate something together. I used to talk about this all the time when... um, When I was at the like a height of my hating uh, the franchise that was then known as the Washington Redskins, right? Um, I would say... It, th- it doesn't really even matter if it makes sense. It's just something we can all do together. <laughs> to an extent, I, appreci- I kind of said that about Mark Teixeira. I've wavered on how I felt about the Mark Teixeira thing a little bit, right? In the, it's like. not, there's no fair criticism for any of us to have about Mark Teixeira. Mark Teixeira was never going to be signed by the Baltimore Orioles. They were never going to pay him that money. It was never going to happen. Mark Teixeira signed with the Yankees, so, you know, live with it. You gotta hate... And that's sort of the way that we treat Mike Messina. Well, who cares? He signed with the Yankees. That's the end-all, be-all of it. But on the flip side, Mark Teixeira is from here, and maybe he should at least get some amount of respect from the fact that he's one of us. But on the flip side, the other guy had 10 years of dominance in an Orioles uniform. And I don't care what happens after that, you're not gonna get me to pretend like that didn't happen either. So... I'm, it bothers me to my core. But if you just want to hate Buster Olney, I'm never going to be bothered by that. Hate Buster Olney. By all means, do it. This doesn't doesn't affect my life. I think that there are relevant points. There are things that I disagree with. Uh, in fairness, someone, Stephen, has already found a, a column that Buster Olney wrote that was headlined, Houston's rebuilding strategy pays off, Cincy Oakland should follow. Mm. Which certainly does not seem to back up the idea that he suggested that he's been critical. And in fairness, if I had known that, then I would have brought it up. This is, you know, we're, we're really good today at thinking of questions that we should have asked. <laughs> Having a banner day as far as things that we should have done. <laughs> um, if I had seen that, I would have asked that question. Um, that don't look great. <laughs> like, you know, he'll, he'll, he can respond however he wants to respond. Uh, also, I'd already had somebody attempt to do Whenever somebody tries to compare to me Harold Baines to Mike Messina, just stop don't you're just embarrassing yourself if you don't care that mike messina that, that that's a completely different. harold baines and mike messina are I, I i'm trying to think of a parallel for how to compare it would be like comparing um uh zadarius smith to terrell suggs paul Kruger to terrell suggs stop i try to be... It's maybe I mean, maybe a little disrespectful to Harold Baines. Yeah, because he's but a Hall like, of Famer. Paul, yes, but shouldn't be. Like, that's yeah. part, of the, part of the conversation. We all know that Harold Baines shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. And at the same time, it's... Harold Baines was a solid part of good teams. Paul Kruger was a solid part of a Super Bowl championship team. A, you know, and a somewhat important part of a Super Bowl championship team. So, I, stop... You're you're making yourself look like an idiot when you try to compare Harold Baines to Mike. Harold Baines does not justify Mike Messina. We all know what Mike Messina did here. Now again, if those of you that live in the world of this is the way it goes, if you end up being a Yankee, then I just don't care, you're dead to me. I'm sad for you as a person that makes me sad. Which isn't to say that I was ever rooting for Mike Messina when he was a Yankee. I want to make that abundantly clear. But if that makes you forget anything that ever occurred, I'm I'm I am I'm sad for you. Because I know the joy that I had of watching Mike Messina pitch at a Hall of Fame level for a decade in Baltimore. And that will never be ripped from me. And this all coming down to a plaque that you will see at most once or twice in your life.
1: Hopefully more.
0: Me- How many times are you going to be going to the Baseball Hall of Fame?
1: I've gone once. Uh,
0: uh, honest to God. And I, don't I, I just, just and go say that. Once or twice in your life. I nailed it. <laughs> just say, Glenn, you were right.
1: I imagine there will be reason for a trip, I'm sure. That's going to
0: be what makes the difference here? Oh, come on. And I said it to Greg Bader at the time. I would say it to anybody. I'm never going to be okay with this. There will never be a day where I will wake up and think that this is acceptable. And if you're mad at me, be mad at me. That's fine. I, again, I, I'm i a big boy. I can take it. I mean, be mad at me. But I know what Mike Messina was. All right, uh, we got to take another break? Yes, we do. All right, we'll take a break. I want to uh, introduce Danny to everybody quickly, and then we'll get a tidbit, and we'll get two to wrap up the week. And you all can yell at me about talking to Buster Only today. It's Glenn Clark Radio. You feel that? That's the sound of football coming back, and now's the time to place your preseason bets with SuperBook Sports. SuperBook is the most trusted name in Vegas, and now you can use my promo code GlennClark23 to score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, they'll match your first bet up to $250 with the promo code GlennClark23, all one word, no spaces, two ends, and Glenn. Don't miss out this football season. Win some money with Super. Superbook Sports and that promo code GlennClark23. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
5: Another exciting weekend of affordable family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. One of the most special nights of the season on Friday the 4th, Navy Night. Come celebrate the newest Plead class. Back-to-back fireworks carry on to Saturday with our pre-game touch-a-truck event. And it's the last of our big hitter bobbleheads, Colton Couser on Sunday for the first 750 fans. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at baysox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox. Let us be your 9 ending vacation. I'm
3: Michael Jan Grandy, president of of A.J. Michaels, your carrier energy expert for 44 years. Save money, energy, and make your home more comfortable and virus-free. Find us at ajmichaels.com. That's ajmichaels.com.
2: That first sip, that first bite,
8: O's fans on Saturday, August 5th, when the O's take on the New York Mets at 7.05, celebrate the 40th anniversary of the 1983 World Series by being one of the first 20,000 fans, 15 and over, to receive an Eddie Murray 1983 World Series bobblehead, presented by Royal Farms. Come out to honor this World Series championship team and arrive early for Early Bird Saturdays when gates open two hours early with happy hour, live music, and more. Get your tickets today at Orioles.com tickets.
3: Picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food, check. Quality of service, check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking? Check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity,
2: or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out
4: buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressbox online. And you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grindr. Not that I know it's on Grindr or anything, I I swear! Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn.
0: All right, back in here on G C R as we wind down for the week. Uh so I had uh someone who I've known, Jonathan Bishop reached out to me and was like, Hey, I'm trying to help I'm trying to help somebody out that's a buddy of mine and they're trying to do something to lift up a local baseball team and I was wondering if you could help me out with promoting it and you know, I always like to try to do things for the community and you know, any little way that I can go about doing that, I I I try to um so i was like hey could you could you get me details and i didn't fully understand it and it's a lot to convey in a, in a message and then he's like oh well actually your partner griffin's on the team
1: <laughs> i was like
0: oh oh, oh! what is this <laughs> what do you need well how can we help
1: you, you want me to take it? Yes, tell okay, me. Yeah. Oh, so we're doing Jesus. a we're doing, our, we're doing a golf tournament fundraiser for our baseball for who, team. Th- who is it? We there? are the North Carroll ba- uh, North Carol Panthers. And uh, what is the North Carol Panthers? We are a baseball team, just you know, eighteen plus league. It is the South Penn uh, South Pennsylvania Baseball League. Okay. And, uh, we've been playing. The team's been around for uh, I mean, since the early like the mid two thousands. And uh, and I joined after I turned 18. Obviously, I think the I think the summer of 2020 was actually my first season on the team. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. I mean, I just love playing baseball. It gives me you know an excuse to keep to you know keep throwing the baseball around, keep wearing a baseball glove, keep swinging a bat. Uh, so it's a lot of fun. The, the it's a great team of guys, and uh, you know, so we just have a couple. We we usually have like one golf tournament a year. Um, to just try and raise, raise some money so that you know because obviously we have dues each year, we have to pay you know for, for equipment, for like helmets and stuff and uh, for to pay umpires as well. Uh, as uh, as we you know, and and to have like league, you know, the league overhead as well, okay. just to participate, jerseys and stuff, that kind of thing. Okay. Uh, so this is a, so the, the golf tournaments are always a great way for us to to try and you so know, give me the details. So it is October fifth. That is a Thursday. It's going to be at Piney Branch. Uh, the Piney Branch are, Golf are, Course.
0: Are you going to be here? or Are you going to be there? I think that I'm going to have to be there that day. Okay. You know, so it's sure a little I bit awkward. Danny, I'm what are you saying. doing on October fifth? I'll come.
1: All right. <laughs> All right. Good answer, Danny. Uh, it's $130 a person, but Piney Branch is—it's one of the nicest courses in Carroll mm-hmm. County, uh, up in up in Hampstead, and uh, so it starts at 9 a.m. That's the start. It's better than our previous golf tournaments are previous golf tournaments are like 7 a.m. starts uh, so this is a little bit better. this is in october so mm-hmm. it's you know yes yep yes so we get a 9 a.m. start uh, It includes you know drinks all, everything you want to drink is included with that price and we're partnering with uh, the ed reed foundation so oh that's so some, cool yeah so a lot of so some of it will go out to the ed reed foundation as well as the manchester volunteer I, fire department
0: i've worked at the ed reed foundation many times mm-hmm. i dig that it's
1: um and uh yeah so we're just looking for foursomes the deadline is september 21st get your uh, get get the money in i think uh i, I, I so can, how yeah, that's I can tweet out the our, our flyer that we have out. You please, can, you can please. Venmo. Uh, we can Venmo North Carol Dash Panthers. Is the Venmo also just contact? I mean, at this point, uh, myself, uh, in any, any way, uh, and then as well as uh, Kevin Burnham and Shane Guevara are are are, are head are kind of heading this uh, okay. this venture for us, uh, and their phone numbers will be on the flyer. Now, well. what
0: are you willing to like throw in like an added bonus? For Me? someone who supports the baseball league, are you like willing to maybe throw in like an autographed uh, picture of, of myself, of, of yourself? Course, of course, right? yes, like, yes. Uh, <laughs> what about like an autograph, maybe a sexy picture? Uh, maybe, yeah,
1: sure. Like the uh, what, my Tom Brady picture? Like, yeah, anybody wants right. That? Yeah, course, if you, so when you recreated course. the Tom Brady tweet, like, mm-hmm.
0: you if you'd be willing to sign that and send absolutely, it to anybody absolutely. who gets in, there
1: are some better prizes available. If you know, if you just <laughs> want to be better at golf, uh, it's a it's a scramble uh, scramble uh, you know setup. For the golf team, so if you find, yeah, I'm game not. Game, that's yeah, not
0: going to be for me. People. I'm not good at yes. golf, so that that's really difficult.
1: <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, first place prize, they're going to get a free foursome at piney at Piney Branch. Okay. Uh, second place gets a free foursome at the uh, Bull Rock. Bull Rock. Bully, Bully, Rock. G- Bully Rock. Bully Rock. That's what yes. I said. Yes. Yes. Uh, and then uh, and then a free force. Third place gets a free foursome at Oak Oakmont, also in Hampstead. Uh, a, a f- little further north of uh, Piney Branch. And
0: this all goes to benefit the Florida Panthers. <laughs>
1: the North Carol Panthers. North oh. Carol Panthers. Of <laughs> course, everyone probably remember the high school North Carol Panthers right uh this is now the baseball team
0: baseball team. team North Carol mm-hmm. Panthers as you tried a
1: bunch of local guys you know we're just we're all playing baseball man it's a, it's a good good Come, it's you know, just a fundraiser to
0: to help Griffin keep his baseball dreams alive.
1: Exactly, exactly. No, I, like I, I'm I, waiting. I mean, you know, for a minute, I thought there was a chance the Orioles might just need, you know, right, correct. You a, might a, have to come in and pitch in the sixth inning or something. <laughs> yeah, I actually yeah, thought that yeah. might have been the possibility. Yeah, now they look pretty good. So yeah, so they don't. They got I Jack Flaherty,
0: so they don't need you. He's yeah. also very handsome. We gotta. We are not talking enough about how handsome Jack Flaherty is. Uh,
1: a lot of handsome guys on this baseball team as well. Well, I mean, you know, Jack Flaherty handsome though. No, problem.
0: Yeah, I don't not. think he's very probably handsome. Not. He's a very handsome guy. Uh,
1: longest drive gets a tailor-made M4 driver. Ooh. Yes. Uh, the Ooh. Putting, putting contest prize, that is going to be an Odyssey Stroke Lab all right, putter. All right, all right.
0: The lots of great prizes. Yes.
1: Uh, our raffle prizes as well. I have to mention these. Yep. Uh, PS5. You, you have away. to. Do you owe it to somebody? Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do. Quickly, we got to... Okay, okay. Uh, the, there's, we're giving away a Yeti cooler. Yeah. There's going to be uh, an Ed Reed-signed football. Ah, Ray Lewis-signed like jersey. Oh, wow. Uh, Lamar Jackson-signed jersey. And these are just raffle prizes. Yes, these day. are just oh, raffle cool. prizes. So that's everyone cool. can win these. You don't have to be good at golf right, for these.
0: Again, how can they... What the, the important part is if somebody says, I'll come out and play golf, that sounds like a fun way for me to spend my day. What What is the next step?
1: Uh, you, got, you contact myself. Or Kevin Burnham or Shane Guevara. Best Again, way I'll to switch.
0: contact you. Give your home phone number.
1: Yeah. Uh, my phone number. I mean, yeah, I mean, I if I they, they want to contact would, yeah. you. Uh four four three. I wasn't being serious, but well, I mean, <laughs> like, well, Shane Sh- Shane. Might be the best way. It might be the best way to do it. Shane and Kevin, Kevin did. They okay, go ahead. Flyer. What, what uh, how can you reach out to Griffin? Four four three eight two one two one four four.
0: Four four three eight two one two one four four. And that's only for it the only reasons you should be reaching out to Griffin is to sign up to get involved in the golf tournament. Or
1: yeah, or chastise me for messing up the Paul Rabel interview. Really
0: screwed it up today, yeah. right? Or <laughs> yell at him for booking Buster only today. Whatever yeah. you want to do, <laughs> reach out to Griffin. <laughs> a lot of people very mad. Reach out to Griffin. Yes. Go ahead, have that conversation with him if that's the case. Absolutely. Good. Absolutely. Yeah. North Carolina. Panthers. We will. Uh, tw- and you said you'll tweet about it. Yes. Right. yes I will. Good. Send a tweet. Uh, we'll, we'll try to post it on my Facebook as well. As uh, we'll look to help you guys out. All right. Very cool. Now, Danny. We met you a couple weeks ago. We were down at the University of Maryland, and you were
11: at uh, at camp. Yes.
0: And first of all, remind remind me your story. Where Where are you from? Where do you go to school? The whole thing.
11: So I'm from Silver Spring, only Maryland, down yep. in Montgomery County. I am at Good Council, Okay. Rising Senior. That's Kyle Snyder. Uh, Love Stephane me some Diggs, Kyle Snyder, uh, gold medalist. Stefan Diggs,
0: turp, the whole yep. thing. Yep.
11: Uh, I'm just you know, interested in radio sports broadcasting maybe as a career, um, and studying that in college. Now know, I believe
0: I so. told you before, don't do something where you can actually make money. Well, I, I I I you know I did say that, right? You, did. <laughs> you didn't. But no, I support. I mean, I I like a dope did this, so I'm certainly going to support <laughs> you doing it as well.
11: But it's I mean I've always loved sports. Like from. Do you play any sports? I don't. Okay. Well, not right. Not you know, a, just, Right. Like, yeah, yeah. Did a little middle school basketball and some like. Stuff the thing
0: about basketball is pressure. you kind of have to be six seven or there's just not going to be a path for you. Yeah. That's kind of the way the sport works.
11: My l- lucky for me, I was relatively tall for my okay. compared to the other players on the team. So I kind of was a lot taller than everybody else. So the, the height kind of was to my advantage when I played basketball. I get it.
0: I completely which, get it. So you are looking to do this. You have any idea of like where you want to go to college? Have you started to make those decisions?
11: Uh we're starting to narrow it down. Um, yeah, I'd like to go to Harvard,
0: college. Yale, or Princeton. That's what it's going to come down to, right? One of those three.
11: <laughs> Unfortunately, not
0: <sighs> close though, right? Uh, like Columbia, Dartmouth, or B- or Brown.
11: How about Cornell, UPenn? Those are pretty good U-Pen. ones too, I hear. <laughs> uh, but honestly, I think what,
0: what's the goal? What's the goal for you? Where Where in your perfect? If nothing, if money didn't matter. If you could go anywhere in the world to school, where would you want to go?
11: Well, we've looked at college. I part- was
0: so f- terrified that he was about to say Duke. I'm like, no, just absolutely, no, like if, it's gonna be awkward. Okay, your dad? If, I'm gonna have to kick you out of the building, <laughs>
11: and your dad's out there. It's gonna be so uncomfortable. If we're saying any school, like in general, or for journalism mm-hmm. or any school, or just just what if you
0: for what you want to do right what now, everything you know, the perfect world, would be where would you be?
11: Maryland College Park. Okay, all right, that's cool that's we cool genuinely believe it. and that's
0: why you went to the camp
11: in part yes and also it's a good you know it happens to be thirty minutes from house and chance to meet people like you and Griffin and other professionals so right so it's now, a home run here's the
0: other question- mm-hmm. when we left that day yes what was everybody saying like, <laughs> God those guys are weird we really had to put up with them for two hours like what was the general conversation like after after we left for the day
11: uh I don't think it was anything too negative. All right. No, two negative. Two negative. Too negative. Too negative. Right. Yeah. I mean, two negative. It was the typical amount yeah. of negative, Just
0: right? Typical, Just like the normal negative that you would age, get. Right? I can accept that. I can yeah. accept the normal amount of negative. I, can, I would hope that I deal with that with my own kids. <laughs> I hope my kids are only the normal amount of negative as they get to that age.
11: I think Michael was upset, the guy who you talked about the Titans with, that you didn't... Um, you agreed with him. I think. Oh, wanted, I did, right? I think wanted yeah, I did.
0: Ultimately, end up agreeing with him. No, we had fun. That that was a fun day. We really enjoyed it was that. Was awesome. Um, and people seem to dig it too. We got a lot of like fun feedback about that show, which is very different than our typical show. But we got a lot of fun feedback about it. Um, in in perfect perfect world, in ten years, you're doing what?
11: Ooh, I'd like a radio show. Okay, sports show. Um radio or television but i think radio it's so is,
0: funny that you say radio because like i don't feel like anyone your age listens to the radio i don't feel like anyone griffin's age listens to the radio but
11: you don't have to worry about the appearance on tv i and you all that gotta s- tell you that had a big part of why it is that i got into radio <laughs> being on tv
0: <laughs> like you gotta you gotta i did My, when in the infancy of masson like when masson before masson was even available like on most cable providers we the radio show that I was on on the the now the I guess it's not defunct but it was now then known as ESPN Radio 1300 here in Baltimore was simulcast on Masson, and I remember the first day that they were introducing it was with uh, Anita Marks who now works with ESPN, and like the first day she's having her makeup done and she looks at me she's like are you gonna get your makeup done <laughs> and I was like and I'm like 22 at the time uh, I'm like what. what? Makeup? And I think I came in wearing, like, an ESPN Radio 1300 T-shirt. And I remember, like, one of the Mastin people being like, do you have something else? I was like, what's the problem? Yeah, They were like, you're on television now. I said, oh. I don't. <laughs> what do we do here? They're like, we're gonna find you another shirt, and they like went and found a polo shirt for me, mm. and like, I mean, I was twenty two. It's like it, it, I deal with this now with twenty two year olds. Like Griffin actually, for for all the gruff the the gruff I give him, dresses mostly appropriately for the job. All right. thank, um, thank goodness. I I work. I was just having this conversation yesterday with the college where I work, where I was like, it is alarming sometimes what I see young people show up to work wearing, and then I'm like. They probably said that about me when I was that age. They <laughs> probably said the exact same thing about me when I was 22. Like alarming would have been the word. But yes, it has a long, it has a lot to do with why it was. Now they're like, we're gonna, we even put the cameras on the radio now. I'm like, yeah. I gotta, gotta do. That's why I wear hats most of the time. <laughs> so I don't want to think about it. Um, you are a fan of
11: Dallas Cowboys.
0: Yeah, that's right. I do remember that yes. now. <laughs> Cockroach. I can't believe we let you come in here. At least it's not the Steelers. I guess I can accept that. It's not the Steelers. That's all right. That's dead. Um, The best thing that you have learned as you have, you know, you clearly are someone who really wants to do this. You sought us out afterwards. You asked to come in and shadow us and learn. What's the best thing you've learned so far? What, what maybe has been the thing that's that, that you've, you've soaked up the most as you started this journey?
11: I think it's interesting talking to people and how people suggest that you talk to other people figure out what how they got started Mm -hmm. reach out to contact them how like people will actually be be willing willing and willing to like share information with you like nobody's like you know
0: i have to apologize i probably had 10 campers reach out to me about doing different and i i i just don't i run out of i've got a lot of things going on my brain it's scatterbrained i deal with that constantly right so i can't always get back but i'm not mad at them And I want you to follow up. Like, I want you to to stay on me. It's just, you're going to have to hit me at the right day where I have five minutes where I can say, I'm not thinking about the 16 jobs that I have. I can spend a couple minutes doing this. I'm not bothered by it. I'm happy to talk to you and try to help you out in this process. And you'll find, overwhelmingly, that's how Johnny Holiday was with me, the, the legendary voice of Maryland sports. When I was a kid, Johnny Holiday said, this is my phone number, call me. And I was like, really, you, Johnny Holiday? Like, really? He said, yes, call me. And I did frequently and he was never bothered by it and then all the years later when my former producer kyle was saying to johnny holiday he wanted to get into voice acting johnny holiday said i'm going to send you my reels that i do for voice acting and if you would like me to coach you i'll coach you you'll find that overwhelmingly from people in this business if you just take the put the effort in to reach out
11: yeah i think it's important um just how people are like so willing to like you know be advice give you advice you yep. know let you see what they do and stuff like that so it's 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 a it's a good uh i didn't always realize that because i'm like well you are have a high position mm-hmm. you're not gonna no you feel want that way. me just sitting uh, around and 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 observing no nope. in fact we
0: can't do it every week but we could do it again at some point in the future if you'd like to come back in yeah, and, and you'd like to try your hand at learning you know sitting next to griffin and pressing the buttons and things like that well, griffin
11: we'll, i mean you want what he, you want after today's performance. Mm, that's a good point. Maybe oh, maybe KG's. not the person. Gosh.
0: Wow, you just had a 17-year-old, oh 17, 17 or 16? 17. Seven, you just oh had a 17-year-old dig a shot at you. I mean, it's okay. And you know what? He's right. Good job, Danny. This is unbelievable. Uh now this is before I decide if you're welcome around here anymore. It's the Cowboys. Please tell me it's not also the Yankees and the Lakers. Oh no. All right, thank God. None All right, we no. can be a, we can be cool. We can be cool. Okay. Cuz that was going to ruin everything. Uh Danny, I'm rooting for you. You know, would would love to have you in again. I know you're gonna have to go back to school here in a little bit, but if we find a way to make that happen, that you can come in and learn more about how to press the buttons, um, and how we do things around here, we'd be happy to do that. And and if you've got ideas for us and how you can be involved, pitch them to me. All right. Yeah. Thank you guys for letting me come in. I really really appreciate it. Absolutely. We're glad to have you, man. And if you want to stay there for a second, and you haven't, maybe you can bail me out as we get into tidbit, because sometimes I struggle. Tidbit of the day is brought to you today by Superbook. We are proud to be partners officially with Superbook, and they are offering Glenn Clark Radio listeners and supporters a great 250 up to $250 first bet match. I say that because I want to make it very clear, if your first bet is $250, you're going to get $250 in a first bet match if you lose that first bet. But if your first bet is $75, you're not going to get $250. You're going to get $75. They're going to match it up to $250. So, yes? Win or lose. Win or Oh, that's oh, right. Thank you. Okay. Win or, oh, you know what? That's a great point. Win or lose. So even if you win, you're still getting that free bet back to you. Imagine. It's pretty good. I think I said that incorrectly another time this week, too. But I said that earlier in the week. I'm like, you could bet, win it, and then you still have all those free bets left. It is, I, I can't imagine an offer like this. I don't know what they're doing. Frankly, it's. I, I know we're partners now, and so I probably shouldn't question them and just say thank you, Superbook. You are the best. But frankly, I think it's insane. I think it's a terrible business idea. But I'm glad they're choosing us to work with. Glenn Clark 23. G L E N N C L A R K. Glenn Clark 23 is the code. Superbook.com. The Superbook app. They are here in the state of Maryland. We are happy to be partnered up with them. Uh, and as I said earlier, I'm in your in the next print issue of Pressbox. You'll read more about some of the NFL futures bets that I put in. On the Superbook app that I am excited about, I put a Ravens bet in. I, you know, I think I'll tell you. I went over 10 wins for the oh, Baltimore no. Ravens. Uh-oh. Over Get out! <laughs> over 10 wins. Over 10. Over 10 wins for the Baltimore Ravens. With the Ravens.
11: Bengals in yeah. the division?
1: Was yeah. it over ten and a half and a half? No, 10, over 10, okay. 10. So 10 even.
0: pushes. So 10 pushes. Exactly okay. right. Okay. So I feel pretty good about that. If it was 10 and a half, I don't know that I would have done. Right. But at 10, I felt good that I'm either winning or pushing. As I said... If Lamar Jackson had been healthy, they would have done this every – there's not a year that that they they wouldn't wouldn't. have reached the 10-win mark, including years where there were only 16 games. So I feel pretty good about the idea that I don't think he's going to end up with a third straight season of a season-ending injury. I'm going to feel really stupid when you pull this audio back in November. Write this (laughs) down again. Right? But um, I did. I put it in over 10 wins bed for the Baltimore Ravens because I feel pretty good about worst-case scenario being a push. So. Good that's luck. something that I did with super. Are, who are, some Cowboys fan coming <laughs> in. Here. Good luck. What the hell would you know about winning? They did all that before you were born. Well, you were not alive when the Cowboys I do an
11: over 10 wins not I can't gamble, but
0: Right. Uh, correct. Want we'll okay. to make that abundantly yeah, 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 clear. Yeah, this is not <laughs> doing that. But
11: maybe <laughs> I predict that the Cowboys will win over 10 games mm. this season. Mm. Not 12, mm. just 11. Okay. Well. Okay. We're I mean, that, maybe if, if you're basing
0: that on the fact that they don't, there's nobody, there's no teams in the NFC, then I'll right. I'll listen to you. Yeah. But you know, that's what it is. All right. Uh, uh, before
1: it's a bit, Tim did chime in uh, shortly after the Buster Olney conversation. He said, "We don't hate Buster Olney. I, I don't know if this is Tim Belair or not. It's just Tim on YouTube." Okay, um, but he did chime in. We just we don't hate him. We just think he doesn't know what he's talking about. What? what about other teams t- trading their top players for prospects? Is that compromising, like, at the trade deadline? Like, is that compromising the integrity yeah, I, look, of the game? Look,
0: again, by, by the way, Buster is responding to Orioles fans that have responded to our interview. Um, you know, it's that's the way it goes. Um, so uh, he pulled out a column that he wrote and was 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 very much, you know, it was all about him having an issue with tanking. And he did call out the... like. It's weird because somebody else found this thing. I, Another, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe there's been la- different layers to the. but he is defending himself as Orioles fans are coming for him today, and he shared a column that, you know, my opinion, it's a bad idea for anybody within the institution of baseball to endorse getting good draft choices as a good thing. The reality is that seasons play out, some club executives, and this had nothing to do with the Baltimore Orioles. This was about the Astros. So, you know, I'm I, I, I do have to give him that, right? Like, I have to give him that. There is some, he has presented some evidence of consistency about the topic. And as I said, we fundamentally agree that it's not a good thing for there not to be 30 teams that are trying, right? Like, now, again, that doesn't mean that I was opposed to the Orioles doing what they did. I was in favor of it because as the rules existed, it showed benefit. I had somebody earlier today say what was the only way, and I'm going to push back about that. It's not the only way, but it was arguably the best way. And what you're seeing is... Best kind, team in the American League. Kind of evidence American of that. Announced. Exactly yeah. right. So.
1: Um, Jack Flaherty made his Orioles debut yesterday. He became the second Orioles pitcher, the mm, second pitcher in Orioles' history. The second pitcher. Oriole named Flaherty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is that true? I guess that would be true. Probably. I don't know. If there was one before Ryan. Uh, he's the you. second pitcher in Orioles' history to retire 15 consecutive batters in his debut with the team. Who was <laughs> the first? really worst? wanted me to. Who was the <laughs> first? Yeah, <laughs> he retired 17 in a row in his MLB debut in 1962.
0: 1962? I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> is that Pappas? Uh,
1: it was not Pappas. Uh, is that
0: it was? No, Hoyt Wilhelm was before that. 1962.
10: Yeah. This is That's I uh, I don't really. Have, I've got.
0: I got, got. Now I got to think of. who. But now I'm trying to think of who was on the '66 Orioles team and figure out which one of them. This is going to take. Okay. You want me to give it to you? No, I don't want you to give it to me yet. All right. All right. Was it Steve Barber? Not Steve Barber. Uh, was it? Do you happen to know if it was somebody who was on the '66 Orioles team? Because I don't I mean, know. I, a lot. He, I mean, think he is the he. answer again? Dick Hall, by chance? No, it's not Dick Hall. It would be amazing if it was back-to-back Dick Halls. Uh, was it McNally? It was
1: Dave McNally. Okay, all right, Dave McNally in 1962 okay. retired. 17 straight in his debut. Okay. Uh, with the with the team and the league, uh, Otani did it all last night. He had two hits, he had two walks, he had a home run, a stolen base. A hot
0: take: Shohei Otani's good. Four <laughs> Listen <scoreless, laughs> to you over there. Yeah,
1: four scoreless innings pitched. What are you, Buster Olney? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> First player uh, ever to reach base safely four times, hit a home run, steal a base, and not allow a run on the mound in the same game, and the Angels lost.
11: <laughs> That's the funny part. Yes.
0: It's, it's Tungsten Arm O'Doyle, baby. I mean, it's it just what it is. Old Tungsten Arm.
1: Uh, Demarcus Ware is going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And apparently singing the national anthem. Uh, yeah. I, I, I didn't sure hear as hell did not watch the game last night, it. but I saw that on Twitter that he sang the national anthem. It was, uh, apparently, it wasn't bad. I mean. Yeah. Uh, he is ninth all time in sacks in, in NFL history. Okay, and he is going to the Hall of Fame this weekend. Can you name? Well, him? this is
0: difficult because they never went back over. Like this is only from when sacks became an official stat yes. because they never went back and mm-hmm. tried to figure out. Um, okay, so the, Reggie White.
1: Reggie White's is number two. He's number two.
0: Number two. Oh, I thought he was number one. All-time so, sacks. oh, uh, Bruce Smith. Right Bruce is Smith. number one.
1: Bruce Smith is number one. Two hundred sacks. Nice and nice, clean, even number. Two hundred for Bruce Smith. One hundred ninety-eight for Reggie White.
0: It's tricky, right? No. They're all Hall
1: of Famers. There are two that are not Hall of Famers. It's because they're not eligible. Yeah, until next they will year be. In
0: the year. Uh, Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor uh,
1: is not in the top ten. Wow.
11: What? Active player. Are you sure?
1: No. Yeah. I mean, yes. I am sure. He had 132 and a half. Demarcus Ware had 138 and a half. J.J. Watt. Not J.J. Watts.
0: Active. Michael Strahan.
1: Uh, none of them are active no. Uh, Michael Strahan is in the top 10. He had six, uh, or he's sixth, 141 and a half.
0: How many am I trying to get? Uh, eight?
1: The top eight. Yeah, I'll give eight. you the top eights. Eight, 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 eight. Come
0: on, man. You're supposed <laughs> to be helping me out here. What are you doing over there? Um... There. oh terrell sucks terrell
1: sucks he had a half sack more than demarcus Ware.
0: Uh, yeah take that demarcus <laughs> Ware. you think you're so great
1: cowboys and yeah, raven the, once upon yeah, a time it's so funny
0: because I, I remember doing this show with with the cow one day once upon a time it was like not a guarantee that if you put together like a, a ton of sacks that that would get you into the hall mm. of fame mm-hmm. like it's it's wild how that was that was a real thing and for a um, I'm trying to give a couple of examples, like guys that had a, a significant number of sacks. I want to say like um, uh, Leslie O'Neill. How many sacks did Leslie O'Neill? He also had? had
1: 132 and a half as well with Lawrence Taylor. Uh,
0: Leslie O'Neill is not in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. 132 and a half sacks,
1: yeah.
0: not in the Hall of Fame. It's like for whatever reason, it's only in like more yeah. recent years, and yet we haven't gone back and figured that out with Leslie O'Neill. It's bizarre. Like, I have no doubt that Terrell Suggs is going to get into the Hall of Fame and probably is a first ballot guy. Probably. I mean, like, I, I would assume. But, I mean. The, 2025 is when he's first It's always it. weird with yeah. the Pro Football Hall of Fame and the first ballot. But, like, I think he'll be a first ballot guy. But Leslie O'Neill is not in the Hall of Fame. Let me double check and make sure that hasn't changed. I, mean, <laughs> I just didn't. Uh, I, I can I like can, lawyer, Like, I guess it's possible. You're but, hoping to see a name. that's mean Joe Green.
1: About. Is he top eight? Not Joe Green. Not Joe Green?
0: Um, no. There is a Green, though. Yeah, Leslie O'Neill's not in the Hall of Fame. 132 and a half sacks, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. And nobody talks about it. Like, it's not like he's the hot name on next year's ballot. hundred. And how many did Lawrence Taylor have?
1: Uh, Lawrence Taylor also, he had the same amount as Lawrence Taylor.
0: What are we doing?
1: What is that?
0: You explain that. Tell me why that's the case. Me? Yes. I, I don't know. You couldn't we, possibly. Yeah. It's bizarre.
11: And LT's like the greatest, they say, he's the greatest defensive player of all time. Well, Joe Green not say. on the
1: list because he played before
0: 1982. So, um, uh-huh. anyways, yes. anyway, uh, ba- 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 ba. but there is a
1: Green on the list. That was my.
11: There is a well, yeah. It's all new Green. Kevin Green. Kevin Green. Yeah, Kevin, yes. green. Uh, Kevin Green. Kevin yes. Green. Yes.
0: Yeah. 100. All right. So I need I need three, more three more still. Three more. Come on, play. Nobody who's <laughs> active.
1: This guy will be eligible. John Randall? John Randall is that. just outside the top uh, The top nine here. He is right behind DeMarcus Ware with 137. Is a half.
11: Peppers make Peppers?
1: Julius Peppers is they, on the list. Nice. Very yes. well done. There you go. Top four, 159 Checking and a half in. for Julius Peppers. He'll be eligible next year for the whole thing. Um, uh,
0: boy. Yikes.
1: Uh, is a long-time Viking went into the Hall of Fame in 20- oh, Chris Dolman Chris
0: Dolman thank you yes. Chris Dolman it was once uh, the late Chris Dolman who was actually a guest on this show really? Ran- it was very random like somebody reached out to me would you have Chris Dolman I'm like to talk about what <laughs> they're like to they promote something I was like alright fine uh, oh god it's 1234 we gotta go yeah, alright uh, who's the last one the uh,
1: last one is Jason Taylor oh, 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 we should have gotten that Jason right, Taylor we should have gotten that
0: very good. Tubulars brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Um, here's what's coming up this weekend. Of course, Orioles Mets tonight, Dean Kramer, David Peterson, 7 o'clock on Masson, Tomorrow, Kyle Gibson against TBD because the Mets got rid of all their pitchers. Uh, that's 7 o'clock as well on Masson. Sunday, 1.30 on Masson and also, I believe, MLB Network. Yes, in the rest of the country. Jose Quintana and Kyle Bradish on Sunday at 1.30. Of course, uh, PLL Homewood Field tomorrow and Sunday. Tomorrow, 3 o'clock on ABC for Atlas and Archers. And then tomorrow at 5.30, Whip Snakes and Chrome on ESPN. Sunday, one o'clock, Redwoods and Chaos at one o'clock, and ESPN Plus at three thirty for Water Dogs and Cannons, all at Homewood Field. Also, throughout the weekend, uh, Athletes Unlimited Lacrosse continues out at USA Lacrosse in Sparks. Uh, Saturday, five uh, two thirty on ESPN two, and Sunday on ESPN Plus at one o'clock. Also, this weekend, the Pro Football Hall of Fame induction ceremony uh, with Demarcus Ware and. Uh, Wait, is Jason Taylor also this year, too? Or Zach Thomas. That's the Dolphin that's in part of this year's class. Yeah, Jason Taylor's already in. Um, That is Saturday. No, it's... It should be, right? Yes, it's Saturday on ESPN and NFL Network at 12 o'clock. The U.S. women into the knockout round. Nobody feels good about it. Sunday morning, Fox against Sweden. They're really good. 5 a.m. on Sunday morning instead of a normal time because they lost they didn't they didn't win the group so that's what it is I'll be awake at 5 o'clock on Sunday but I'll be serving breakfast at the shelter so I don't think I'll be able to I'm,
1: I'll listen to the radio yeah.
0: yeah I'll try to like put it I'll try to like what I'll really do. I'll try to do is put my phone up somewhere where I can like look over every oh, now okay. and then in order to watch it um, WWE SummerSlam is this weekend that's, that's very big Logan Paul yeah that's true he is involved against Ricochet that's Saturday night at 8 on Peacock. Uh, everything else, and the, the Ocho continues You'll throughout see the day Nashville. on ESPN 2. Everything else you can find at glennclarkradio.com. Anything non-sports-wise?
1: Not a whole lot going on this weekend. Netflix has a new baking show where terrible bakers are going to compete in a baking challenge, baking competition, and like try to get better, I think, as the season progresses. Okay. Lala <laughs> is going to be streamed live on Hulu continuing all, all weekend. Uh, the new show on Prime Prime Video is called Lost Flowers of Alice Hart. It's like a drama horror show like a Sigourney Weaver's in it so it looks it looks kind of kind of okay. And uh, otherwise, well, winning time is back. Oh, on oh Sunday
0: night. yes, season uh, my two. guy Delonte D'Souza playing Michael Cooper. I love that dude. Yes, season two premieres on HBO. Baltimore Zone. He went to Poly, right? That's where he went. I think that's where he went. Sure, love de D'Souza. That's a good dude. But it's also just a fun ass show. Yes. I love that yeah, show yeah. so much. And, and with Gemstones done, I am very happy that we can transition right into Winning Time. Celebrity. Family. This really worked out well. We went right from Succession to Gemstones. I think they were like a two week because remember they were they trying to force right they were it. trying to force the idol. And oh, that's right. Like yeah, that yeah you're right. Yeah, the idol nobody was it. was dreadful. Yeah. So we had like a two-week little dip there, and then right into gemstones, and right from gemstones to um, winning time. That makes me happy. I'm on board.
1: Celebrity Family Feud is going to be NFL players mm. versus the Hall of Famers. Ah, on a celebrity family that feud that will not be for me. And then Adam Devine and Anders Holm to okay. be going against sure, each other as well. sure. Celebrity it's... Family Feud. Yeah.
0: All right, very good. Everything at glennclarkradio.com. Thanks today to... For, for however you feel about it, Buster Olney. Thanks <laughs> also to Bo Smolka as well as to Paul Rabel. We'll get it all up in the Greatest hit section of the... Oh, my God. It's so good. ...tab at glenclarkradio.com.
10: That
0: around tomorrow morning, 10 to noon, Paul and Zach. We're back on Monday. Of course, Rita and I, Sunday from 1 to 4 on 105.7 The Fan. Uh, Monday, anything? Jeremy? Stuff it's fine. And Stuff and things. Very good. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Visit Baltimore, Live Casino, and Hotel Maryland. Glory Days Grill, Dorchester County. The Bowie Bay Sox, Royal Farms, Costas Inn, Superbook, Baltimore Orioles, Birdland Sports, Easy Pass MD, Washington County. Your local Toyota dealer, BuyAToyota.com. Thanks to Danny. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glen Clark Radio. Have a great weekend. Go Birds. Duke sucks.